Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Okay, I don't know about folks, but uh, I was absolutely thrilled with the election of Mike Johnson. And I, I even wrote this on Facebook. You know, at least I can pull up my Facebook post here. Uh, it's very simple. I said, how the hell did we get Mike Johnson past the deep state? I said, this is huge. Must be a Trump inside operation. I want that story. So I want to know what happened. I want to know what's going on with that. Uh, there's, there's more to this. I think uh, Matt Gates has something to do with it uh, because he was the one that uh, did the right thing and got rid of uh, you know, Kevin McDeep State in the first place, um, along with a few other folks. But there's more to the story. I think it was on the war room yesterday somebody told me, so we'll figure it out. Anyway, um, Bill Fecky, who couldn't be here yesterday, uh, can be here today. And so let's play his theme and we'll get right to, uh, to his report. And she'll always get the best of me. The worst is yet to come. Music. Music. 89.3. K-O-H-L. Attitude. It's 3 o'clock with Craig. In the next half hour, we have The Vamps, Dawin, and Daya. And now here's 21 Pilots on 89.3 K-O-H-L. I wish I found some better sounds no one's ever heard. I wish I had a better voice and sang some better words. I wish I found some chords in an order. Oops, sorry, my bad. That was my uh, college DJ uh, air check. All right, let's go with Bill. Long Night Action Radio presents the Fetty Report. Morning, Action Radio Land. Hey there, Greg. Looking. <laughs> I can't wait. I, I'm just like sitting here with Beta Brass. What is he going to say about me this time? So yeah, I had a little fun with you. I played my air check. <laughs> had you ever heard that before? My my. Uh, no, I hadn't, and I was extremely confused what just happened. I thought it was another. <laughs> well, I, uh, tell you. I thought it was another <laughs> blog talk glitch. <laughs> No, I, I only thought about it about two minutes before airtime, so it, it was right there. It's like, it's like three selections below yours. I thought, well, let's have some fun. So for those that don't know, the, I was a college DJ uh, at Ohlone College in Fremont, California uh, at KOHL, 89.5 FM. And I was talking about bands I'd never heard of, you know, and I've got this, you know, I've got this mature voice. I was there. I was 56 years old when I was there, right? And so all, all my fellow students were like 18. <laughs> it was hysterical. They thought I was the, the professor at first. But anyway, it was a great experience. I mean, it helped me out here. Uh, I mean, everything helps. But uh, that, that and tour guiding, eight years on a microphone. But, yeah, that was, that was my ear check. I've got more things. I, I'm going to play my final exam. I actually created these commercials. Everything that I do here, uh, uh, except for your theme, you're the only one that actually supplied your own theme. But all the other folks, all the other productions, everything else, I learned at KOHL. Uh, I learned at uh, Fremont, uh, you know, Ohlone College in Fremont, California. And so for all those folks that, you know, if you want to transition, you want to try something different. Well, trans- that's probably the wrong use of the word today. If you want to change, <laughs> you know, careers or, or try something new, uh, community colleges, junior colleges, um, are just absolutely wonderful. They have, they're very practical, very logical. You don't waste a lot of time with BS core things and stupid stuff. You go right to what you want to learn. Anyway, enough of that. But uh, that's where that came from. 
Bill. Yep, I, I do remember the background story on you. So yeah, I was kind of surprised when I did hear it, uh, but you know, it, it took me a second to realize what it was. Well, you always surprise me, so you know, fair's fair. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, so we have a new speaker of the house finally. Uh, uh-huh. I, I think that uh, I'm going to call him Jim Jordan Light. Um, the the only thing that kind of makes me nervous about him is I hope he doesn't fall into the Mark Meadows trap. Um, I loved Mark Meadows for a very long time, and then all of a sudden he got into a little bit of power, and he decided he liked the power more than he liked his ideas and has totally stabbed Trump in the back. Um, And I'm hoping that Mike Johnson doesn't fall into that same category. Mm, seduced by the dark side of the force he was. Mm. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I've watched uh, Mike Johnson. I didn't know exactly who he was, but I remember looking him up a while back when I first saw him in the hearing. This guy is devastating in the hearings. Uh, in fact, I post one of his hearings on uh, Facebook. But the, all of uh, One American News and Newsmax last night was playing some of the incredible things. You think Gates is good in a hearing? This guy is, is every bit as strong, if not stronger, uh, and he's quieter. He's like uh, he's like John Dean, if you remember him from Watergate, in the sense he's got that bureaucratic look to him. He looks like a bureaucrat. He's very soft-spoken. He's very, but what he says is absolutely devastating, and it's hysterical to listen to him. I mean, he called Mayorkas, you know, an outright liar. He says, uh, and you've let in all these millions of people, and I said, you're not even doing your job. I said, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I'll just ask these really blunt questions. No, I am not worried about that in the slightest. This is a coup of our own. This is every bit as significant as Newt Gingrich. This is, he's the first decent speaker we've had since Newt Gingrich. But what's interesting is that I, don't, I think people voted for him. I don't think they knew who he was. I think he was, you know, and I've got articles talking about this. He was under the radar, uh, uh, and I was, I was shocked because I know how strong this guy is because I've watched him in hearings. In fact, I played them, you know, I post them to... Uh, the uh, Facebook pages. But no, you don't have to worry about him as far as that goes. He's absolutely devout Christian. Uh, he is devoted to the Constitution. He's a constitutional lawyer. He's actually way stronger than Jim Jordan. Uh, uh, he's more of, of the Devin Nunez. He's the intellectual uh, conservative. And I think he'll work every bit as hard as Jim Jordan. But in, in many respects, he is, he is a far better choice. I never suspect him because I didn't think he was high enough in the, in the rankings that anybody knew who he was. So I was really surprised by this, but this is actually, uh, this is a coup in itself. This is every bit as big um, as Gingrich or as big as Trump winning the presidency. This is huge. I don't think people realize how big, but just keep watching. As the, as the title of the show says, uh, in fact, uh, Pianchi says he's from Louisiana. Yeah, he says we fight. Yeah, he's from Louisiana. Remember, also Senator Kennedy. Uh, I've forgotten his first name, but he's brilliant too. But the title of the show today, and now the fun really begins with Speaker Mike Johnson. So that's, uh, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, no, I think he, I think he's the great choice, and like I said, it was easy to get him in, um, mm-hmm. even though because people don't know who he is, and the mm-hmm. media didn't have really time to dig up anything negative about him. Uh, it was easy with Jim Jordan; he's a big, big public figure. People already had opinions on him. There just wasn't enough time uh, yep. for the media to build up anger uh, on the you know in the public against Johnson, and that uh, was very brilliant. It, it was very brilliant of the GOP to throw him in there uh, yeah, because yeah. the media didn't have time to build up anger and tell people to hate this guy. Well, see, that's why it's so critical the vote took place yesterday. Uh, and I was thinking uh, along similar lines to you that they better get this done because if they leave this you know, one day, 
you know, by today it would have been too late. I mean, the, the, the media, you know, harangue, whatever, sorry. Now they can just complain about him, but they can't stop him. He's in, he's in the speakership. And uh, assuming Correct. Trump wins in 2024, he's going to be there for a long time. He's young. He's 51 years old. And so, as we know, you know, people of my vintage, 64, uh, are not slowing down a second. And uh, hopefully I've still got all my faculties, but we'll see. Uh, but, but the point being that at his age, he could serve for 20 years as speaker, you know, assuming the House keeps winning, which is fabulous. You know, he's, he's the perfect guy for the job. But this is, this is massive. And I wonder how much behind the scenes Trump did, because uh, there's like two opposing forces, the Trump and McCarthy. Kevin McDeep State represents obviously the deep state. And apparently someone told me that on, uh, I'm curious if you know anything about this, on the war room, uh, Matt Gates was on, I think, yesterday, uh, talking about how McCarthy was backstabbing everybody. He wanted his job back, but he never said that. He said, oh, I'll go with what the House Conference wants. He's lying through his teeth. He's just a miserable, lying, deep state propagandist, you know, opportunist. And so what happened was he's the one that sabotaged uh, Jim Jordan. He's the one that sabotaged Tom Emmer, which is interesting because Emmer is every bit the deep state he is, but uh, McCarthy, of course, won it for himself. He didn't get to do it to Mike Johnson um, because – I don't know why. This is, that's, that's, the, that's the part I don't know. How come it didn't work with Mike Johnson? Why, why did he get in with all the Republican votes? Nobody voted against him. So I'm, something well, happened. So, what is, so okay, so, yeah. so one, of my, one of my opinions on this is um, – the GOP is really taking it on the chin hard um, mm-hmm. for what has happened. Um, and even Newsmax, I was kind of surprised that they threw Gates back uh, on um, because Boy. they have really, they've really attacked him the last couple of weeks for uh, well, they're getting rid of. They're never Trumpers. Well, Chris no, Reddy it, is never Trump. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, and then, uh, but you know, but all the shows are really, were really attacking him. You know, you you ousted him without having a, a game plan. You know, and that's mm. the talking points. Uh, you know, so you, so they were really going after him pretty hard, and so now you have a guy. You know, like you said, McCarthy has been trying to get his job back. You know, he probably did realize that. You know, if I'm going to continue to even have a chance of running in the future, I better, you know, get on board because Trump is gaining popularity in, in California. He, I mean, yeah. he was already pretty popular in California. He's gaining even more popular. And if it does, you know, the longer McCarthy tries to sabotage, the longer people are going to start paying attention and seeing who's, who is really at fault at, at this. Huh. So the GOP had to get behind someone. And they got behind, like I said, they got behind someone that wasn't going to raise a lot of eyebrows at first. Now, well, he, they don't Johnson's know. In, they haven't watched the hearings. Well, Most exactly, people don't watch hearings. Exactly. That's the, yeah, they don't, they've never seen what he says. He doesn't make news. I'll tell you who's, who exactly. knows about him. So he was, he was a safe pick. Yeah, yeah he was Democrats a safe know. pick. Yeah, yeah he, I mean, he, he was a safe pick, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, and they should have went with, if they would have went with him right, right from the very beginning, he probably could have snuck in right away, and we would have had the three, week, three weeks of chaos. No, um, it, but it's you know, the, chaos. Look what didn't happen. We didn't get more aid for Ukraine. You know, we didn't get uh, a continuing resolution. Uh, there's a lot of things we didn't get during this time. I, it actually was pretty good. So I don't have a complaint. They didn't do anything stupid. Oh, I loved in those it. Three weeks. Yeah, yeah I, I, I've been telling everyone, I wish we didn't have a Speaker of the House because that way they can't pass laws that restrict our freedom anymore. You know, that, we should still talk about that because it's an interesting concept. Do we actually need a Speaker? Uh, the problem with the speaker or the other option uh, is to get rid of parties so that nobody has party membership so that the, the speaker doesn't automatically get control of all the committees. See, that's where the real problem is. The speaker has too much power. Yes. 
it, you know, if the speaker could just, and the speaker can determine which bills go to the floor, which amendments go to the floor, the speaker controls everything, which is, which is crazy. You know, it's like air traffic control, you know, for an airport. Uh, no, it's too much power. Well, not, not for air traffic control, but for, for the speaker. So if you get rid of parties and all the committee chairs are, are, are nominated by a secret ballot, and we, I mean, you'd know who was in which party at first, but after a while, it wouldn't make a whole lot of difference. They'd be actually individuals representing their constituency because the party wouldn't own them. The party wouldn't control the votes. There'd be no, it'd be interesting to see what, well, what do you think would happen with Democrats if nobody knew who the Democrats were? See, now they vote in lockstep. They're all, they're all, all goose-stepping to the same you know, Marxist uh, regime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they were not identified as Democrats, what would they do? What do you think? They'd vote for Trump. <laughs> yeah, honestly. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, okay. No, that's, that's fair. That's fair enough. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's enough Democrats that already vote for Trump and like Trump. I think that even more would because you wouldn't have the party paying off. Uh, of course, then, then you get rid of the parties and – you know mm-hmm. the corporations really take over even more, um, mm. but the one the one thing you can't do is get rid of parties. Um, I think that mm, would be don't a, say I can't, um, Bill. You know you can't say can't I mean, that, to me. That doesn't exist in my yeah. Vocabulary. Well, okay. So that so <laughs> to me that's a First Amendment violation. Uh, the right oh, to no, organize. No, 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 don't, don't. And in fact, that's a really good thing you brought up. Don't misunderstand. I'm not getting rid of parties. I'm just saying that people serving in office can't belong to a party. That's it. And the parties can't give money directly. So we're separating out. So, okay, so, uh, so I'm fine exist. with the parties not giving. I'm fine with the parties not giving money, but saying that you're not part of an organization is a freedom of speech violation, wouldn't it be? Um, it, well, it depends. Are you speaking or not? Uh, is belonging to a party a, a, a speech? What? So, my, so, and I've had this argument with a lot of people. So, speech to me is is evidence, uh, arguments, opinions, conclusions. That's what that's what makes speech. So in other words, if you can it be statements, uh, sure, yeah. I mean, you can be anything. Okay, but, so my but, but so membership my statement is I'm a Republican. That's right. my statement. I'm a Republican. Well, you can say that, but I don't think. But in other words, I don't. All right. So so this is this is this is a good point. This is going to require me thinking this through uh, and talking about it. How do we get the party influence out of Congress so that the speaker does not control all the committees because the whatever speaker, um, whatever party the speaker is. Uh, whatever party controls the, the House uh, controls everything because the minority party has no representation. So I could call that a violation of free speech. You've got, you know, the Republicans when they're in the, of course, the Republicans are the minority, even when they're the majority, you know, they're the beta party. Um, but the House, you know, when the House is Democrat, uh, every, every chair is a Democrat. But why is that? So the Republicans have no voice. They can't bring bills to the floor. It's actually, uh, that's a greater violation than I think, uh, you know, blocking their membership in a party while they're serving in office. When you're in office, there's certain things you can't do, like your, your investments have to go into a trust. You can't do insider trading, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, there's, there's a different standard for people in office as a public figure, as public representatives. So I don't think it would be, I would have to figure out how to do this, but I don't think it's beyond the realm of legality, possibility, and constitutionality to take these people well, and say, about, while you're in office or running from, in office, you cannot belong to a party. Now, the party can spend all the money they want on your behalf. They can advocate for you, but they cannot uh, give you money directly. And, you, and once in Congress, uh, there's no party affiliation. So that does not determine uh, who, I mean, the, the speaker, I mean, there'll be factions anyway and coalitions. I don't care. But, uh, but, this, but the majority party doesn't automatically get the speaker in control of all the committees. That's what I'm trying to do. Well, I guess, well, I guess the first step you could do is uh, create some kind of uh, law or guideline that states that 
um, a certain percentage has uh, has to go to the opposing uh, of committee appointments have to go to the opposing party. No, I wouldn't uh, do that. Something along. No, but what about? Uh, but this may actually open up Congress more to libertarians, greens, even communists. You know, well, of course they're there already. Um, but I think yeah. one of the problems is the two-party system limits everybody else. What, what about the independents? You know, how do independents run? And they have no power in Congress unless you're Bernie Sanders and you lie. In which case, you say, you know, you're an independent, but you're actually quote caucus with the Democrats. In other words, he's a Democrat, but he wants the independent label. But how about real independents? Right. They don't like either either party. This would open it up to them. Because if nobody knew what your party affiliation was, you, cannot, you could not be registered in a party when you're running for office or in office. This could actually be, are you ready for this, more democratic. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Well, no, I mean, it's very true. And, I mean, we've said that a lot that, you know, I, agree, I mean, I agree with you. The fact is there's just too much money involved mm. for something like that to happen. And, mm. you know, and it's just like uh, with these racism talks. Um, racism is at all time low in America. It's actually higher in Europe than it's been in the past. Um, and, but the reason why we hear about it more here in America is mm-hmm. there's just more money involved. Um, well, it's an industry. Hate, R- yeah, racism it's an industry. And then, yeah. And yeah. then hate brings in more money and that's mm-hmm. thus the two party system. No one hates the libertarians. Um, so therefore well, they're sure not even talked about. They're just crazy and they're just crazy insane and no one takes them seriously because of some of their beliefs. But um, yeah, I mm. mean, it, but I mean, overall though, you got a two party system, good versus evil, depending on what your beliefs are, the, you know, the opposite party is the evil and that's what always wins money. And it goes back to what I always say about professional wrestling, good versus evil it's the mm-hmm. same thing in Washington D.C. It's made up uh, hate, and you know, and then oh yeah, because the deep, the deep be- state controls both parties. I mean, the, the unit party is, is there. You know, it's a thing. Let me ask you a question. Um, what do you think this means for Mitch McConnell that Mike Johnson is now Speaker of the House? I think Mitch McConnell's uh, will be retiring. Um, I mean, the guy the guy is almost dead as it is. I mean, I hate to say this. Um, but it's we don't wish really him any evil sad. or harm. Just go. I don't, go I don't, I don't the, wish any evil. I'm not wishing him dead. Yeah. Um, but the man needs to go into retirement home or mm-hmm. assisted living facility because uh, yeah. obviously he's losing his wits. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and it's it's sad. I mean, it's really sad. And age limits have to become a thing. There's age limits in every everything across the board in America except for Congress. And it's well, time no. That the, uh, sir, one of the reasons I went to radio is because it doesn't have an age limit, you know, and it doesn't have a specific degree to go into it. Um, so that was that was. Yeah, part but once of it you me. lose your wits, once you lose well, then, your wits, you start losing. Yeah. You you start losing uh, listeners. Oh yeah. And then so I, therefore, then, you then, end up you end up going ooh. away anyways. Yeah, then it's my turn to to go live on a cruise ship and you know chase younger babes at like right. sixty when I'm you know eighty five. Um, but what I was thinking of was more the fact that you know. Um, Mitch McConnell is a deep state. He's as deep state as it gets. His wife is working for China and the Communist Party and the whole bit. She's, she, his wife is like the Chinese shipping person. And, of course, any, every company in China, big company, works directly with the Chinese Communist Party. So he's completely co-opted probably as much as, as uh, Brand. And so what I'm thinking is that he doesn't have an ally. See, when, when deep state McCarthy uh, was there with deep state McConnell, they, they worked together. Well, Mike Johnson's not going to work with Mitch McConnell. So I'm thinking for Mr. McConnell is all the fun is gone. You know, he's a minority. Yeah. 
and and, and uh, this is a chance. Now I'm I'm thinking Ted Cruz. Ted, this is this would be a time for Ted Cruz to make a move to become minority leader. That's what I'm thinking. To work directly with uh, Mike Johnson in the House. That's my prediction. Yeah, no, Ted Cruz would be uh, the wise choice. Um, I think, uh, or Rand Paul would be even a better mm-hmm. choice. Mm-hmm. Rand Paul's wife works for Gilead, which made Rendezvous, which killed a, a million people. I'm not really thrilled with uh, Rand Paul right now. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I mean, granted, he's kind of gone away from some of his libertarian stances. Uh, you know, but, I mean, he seems like he's trying to play ball a little bit more than he has in the past. Um, but, you know, he's still a very principle-minded person. Uh Ted Cruz, depending on the day, I like him and don't like him. Um, you know, there's very I, – I, I could count on probably one hand how many times I've disagreed with Rand Paul. Uh, Ted Cruz obviously is a whole lot more. Well, the problem with Rand Paul is he's a doctor. He knows that the COVID shot is either dangerous or fatal. And yet he never came out, you know, to overturn the mandates. He never called for the blockading of all money of the CDC. He never called for a correction. Uh, of what the policies were. He never called on the states, on the governors, on the mayors, on, on uh, the county supervisors and city councils to stop their illegal unconstitutional mandates. He, he knew better. He didn't do anything. He okay, knew so... hydroxychloroquine cures COVID. He knew ivermectin cures COVID, and he never came out for those things. Yeah, well, honestly, he, he might not have known, and, and we've talked about this a couple, mm. years, a couple years ago when this came out. First of all, he's an ophthalmologist. He deals with eyes. All right, he he doesn't deal with everyday sickness. And a it's great a example of it is okay. So, so let me give eyes, you this. Exa- okay, so okay. let me give you this example. Yesterday, inside my office, an anesthesiologist came in with his kids, uh, end up having a uh, hand, foot, mouth, uh-huh. uh, which is you know rashes and you know it's viral. Uh, right. And he came, he brought the kids in because uh, he didn't know what it was, and um. You know, so the so our doctor explained to him what to do and stuff like that. He ended up calling back to verify what she had said. Now you would think that he's a doctor and he would know, but once they get into a specialist and and become a specialist, all their focus and energy goes into that specific realm, and the basics that they were taught years ago kind of get thrown out the window a little bit, more or less, not altogether, but more or less, and. I, as I mentioned before, these drug companies have gotten into the medical schools, mm-hmm. you know, and they and these doctors have been brainwashed into thinking that, you know, medicine is, you know, cure, and that they, to trust the CDC and all this stuff, and trust the American Association of Pediatrics, uh, and you know, and to trust all these, and for years and years you're able to, or at least you you were perceived to, until this COVID vaccine came out, and now it's all of a sudden it's starting to change. So a lot of these doctors kind of sat back, like mine did, and sat back and said, "Let's wait to see what happens. You know, <laughs> we're not going to, we're not going to prescribe it. We're not going to recommend it, but we're not going to tell people not to take it because we don't know what the long-term effect is going to be. You know, and, and they work in absolutes. And remember, it's different with a doctor than it is for you and me to say stuff because when a doctor says it, they could be held liable." And so doctors are always afraid they're going to get sued. And, 
And that malpractice is very expensive <laughs> wait, wait, wait. to begin so they, with. So they can kill people on ventilators and not worry about that because that's the government protocol, but they get sued if they give cures like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin? That's ass backwards. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Well, I mean, because – okay, so you differently than a doctor, okay? You, you do. You think differently. Doctors I'm think – laughing. Yeah, they're trained to think a certain way, okay? I mean, just like right. engineers are trained to – I mean, if you talk to an engineer – about constructing something or building something, they're going to have a whole different perspective than, say, a, a building contractor or you. Because um, I'm dealing with that right now. And when I'm dealing with an engineer, I'm dealing with a building contractor, and I'm dealing with me personally and my wife, we have three different ideas on how this should be built. And an engineer is always overly precautious, and they want extra walls, extra extra poles, I mean extra beams um, in order to solidify the structure more, the building contractor will say, well, yeah, we don't have to go, you know, the engineer is saying that we should go every 12 inches for a beam. We can actually go 24 inches and the building will hold five. You know, and so... Let's ask a building contractor, Pianchi? <laughs> what do you think? And, and the, building so, contra- the building contractor follows the specifications. He has no choice. But uh, Rand Paul should have known that the mandates was unconstitutional. I don't know where these people come up with this idea that you got on and off switches on the Constitution, that you can cut it off at your convenience. And you mandates to go against the liberties of uh, U.S. citizens. Well, he did come out against the mandate. I do remember that. And he was, he, uh, he might not have been strong as strong as he should have been, but he did speak out the mandates. Um, and that's kind of where he stopped, and that's kind of where a lot of the people stopped was the mandates because a lot of them just didn't know. And a lot of them didn't study it long enough to know if these other medications would technically work. Like I said, doctors think differently, and they analyze stuff differently than most uh, a lot of human beings. And talking to a doctor is really kind of mind-boggling from time to time. Because, yeah, mine recommended you know, they uh, went, I take the COVID shot. I laughed at him. Um, let me just jump in for a second because yeah. I know you have, uh, you have limited time, Bill. Um, but uh, yeah. here's the problem, though, is that I spent uh, – I, I did a search way back in February of 2020. I put three words into, uh, into my, my uh, DuckDuckGo search. I said, what kills viruses? And so within about a couple of hours, I, w- I knew more about viruses than, than Dr. Fascist because he doesn't have a biology degree. And I knew that vaccines take 15 years before they're safe, so that, I threw them out immediately. I said, okay, so we're going to have to kill this thing, right? And I found a bunch of ways to kill viruses. So this was eminently treatable from day one. So the idea that doctors, you know, we've got the, the president's doctor, Lance Roberts, I think. You've got uh, Rand Paul as a doctor. They have to go to med school before they go to ophthalmology school, and eyes have a blood flow. Right. You know, so they know about this. The, I mean, everything in the body has blood flow. Otherwise, it dies. Um, and so the idea that he wouldn't know that uh, vaccines take at least 15 years before they're safe, and even then we don't know if they're going to work. You know, there's a, there's a lot of evidence against them. So the thing is, we, we had alternatives. We had things that worked. There was never an emergency. There was never a pandemic. This was curable from day one. So they should have thrown everything out. He should have cut the CDC budget, cut the FDA budget, got these people uh, in contempt of Congress for not telling the truth. There's a million things he could have done, and every other doctor in Congress could have done, and they didn't do it. That's their failing. They're, they're complicit in the deaths of over a million Americans, mostly from lack of evidence, censorship, big tech, big pharma, and these deadly COVID shots. They're guilty. They're right up there with Dr. Fascists because they knew better because they're doctors. That's my point. 
Yeah. No, I mean, I understand, but like I so said, I'm going to go back to my uh, to my original point is... Okay, just throw out know, my argument. The, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but, you, you know, once again, you know, once you, you, you learn something in medical school, fine. You may have taken a class on viruses, one class. They also take one class in business. It doesn't mean that they're experts in business. In fact, most mm. doctors are horrible business people, but they only mm-hmm. took, and it was one semester, just mm. like... Virology, whatever it's called, it's one class. Unless you go into that specialty, you don't dive deeper. You take that class, yeah, the internet. check mark the box. I, the internet. I didn't even take the class. I, 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 can't believe, I can't believe you are. Uh, you of all people are going to recommend people go on the internet to find answers. Absolutely, <laughs> I do. Seriously, I go to I go Man, to the internet all the how time. Much but false, I'm how much false stuff is out there? You, there is so tons. much false you know garbage what, out uh, there. You know what, Bill? That's a good idea. People should be doing it. Just think how much well-off the society would be if they understood more about the things that they are in contention with rather than letting somebody else tell them. That's a good idea. No, it's a horrible idea, and I'm going to tell you why it's a horrible idea, is the fact that what Greg said earlier about big tech hiding and masking the truth. So you're going to go on the Internet and you're going to read what big tech wants you to believe. They're, you know, so that's no, a just lie. The opposite. I read what kills it's viruses. All I read lies. just the opposite. No, no, I read just the opposite, Bill. See, you've got to be no, discriminatory. You, gotta be, you have to use discretion. You have to look for the third page. You know, when you put in something, they give you two pages of liberal okay, crap. Well, okay, the good how many people down. actually go that deep, Greg? How many well, people they go they that just listen deep? To us. They don't. Listen they to my show. Don't, we'll that, tell them. I know. So, so why would you tell people to go look on the Internet for their answers when the first page are full of lies and brainwashing? Well, I, I tell them to go to page three. I said that all the time. But literally, I put into the computer what kills viruses, and this amazing amount of information came up. Viruses can kill viruses. Drugs can kill viruses. Combinations of viruses and drugs can kill viruses. Viruses can act, or drugs can act like a laser targeting system to make it easier for viruses to kill other viruses. I was an expert in two hours. I knew more about this than, than 99% of the journalists and, and people in Congress. Okay, Greg. Okay, what? One, okay so, so the biggest problem... Yeah. With people like you who who are smarter than people the like average me. voter, oh, yeah, people you. like you, is mm-hmm. that they don't think like you. They don't think mm-hmm. like us. Mm-hmm. They think on the most basic, almost like caveman level. They're not going to type in what kills viruses. They're going to type in what cures COVID. That's what they're going to do. Well, well that's a good point. I yeah, then they get the wrong answer. <laughs> Go ahead, Bianchi. I hear what you're saying, Bill, but the, that is a major problem. That's why come we we are constantly complaining about public education. They are not. You know, when I was coming up, my education was at the equivalent in elementary school of damn near a college education compared to what the public know today. Yeah, I mean, I went to one of the worst school districts in Chicago. Um, and when I went to, well, that when I moved. It. Sorry. <laughs> but then I moved to one of the best school districts. And I was almost a year behind. Wow. And I had to bust my butt to get caught up. Uh, you know, but, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a perfect example of someone who just kept fighting. And, you know, and I loved encyclopedias, so I used to go to encyclopedias all the time. And mm-hmm. I still do it today. But, I, you know, if I see a word or hear a word or hear a phrase that I don't know, I look right away to try to figure out what it is. I'm very inquisitive. Most people aren't inquisitive. Most people will take 
others at their word, even if they think it's a lie, they're, they're still brainwashing the thinking. It, it could possibly be true. Yeah, there's the expert cult, too. People, uh, you remember we had our liberal caller. She, she, she said all the time, well, you're not a doctor. I said, yeah, but I can read. You know, and it, it's a hard mm-hmm. argument to defeat because there's a natural prejudice. Well, they're the expert. Of course, the next question is, is that expert telling the truth? How do you know if you don't judge for yourself and read the studies yourself? And I found the experts were not telling the truth. You know, look at the experts on climate change. They're complete idiots or they're right. deviously putting model, you know, information to create the models that they want for the propaganda they want so they can get their communism. You know, so, so the, this cult of the expert is very strong with people if you got the credentials. You know, if I had to have credentials for everything that I do at Action Radio, I'd be in school for the next 20 years. Bill made a point there, and I was an uh, Encyclopedia Britannica uh, freak too. But yep. let me ask you something. Do you think that we got more done effectively by going to the Encyclopedia Britannica and have to read like Greg just said? Because now going to the Internet and typing in some words, then all of a sudden you have some person who's telling you something, then halfway down through the page they're trying to sell you something. I mean, what time frame was better, now or then? Exactly. I think then. I mean, I learned whole, I mean, I learned more – I think I learned more accuracy then because you read, which always in, increases your brain stimulation. And then on top of that, you're able to actually see – the words and and go back and decipher and you can read it a second time when you listen to someone yeah you could listen to the tone to hear if they're how defiant they are but they're just a salesperson they're going to be a good salesperson and twist everything into making you believe uh, off of their tone and their excitement and their voice yeah but um, encyclopedias so, are fixed in time though they're, they're once they're printed they're done they never change whereas the internet information changes all the time and internet with social media you get commentary you got different points of view. The key to it all, I want to ask you both the same question. Uh, and Bill pointed out very much, uh, very, very accurately when I said my question was, what kills viruses? And Bill said, you know, what cures COVID? So the real secret to using the Internet is to ask the right question. Correct. Yeah, can... And people don't. Oh, Bill, go ahead. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. I, I, actually, I do have to, you know, it's past my time. I do have to go over mm-hmm. my dollar for today. So I'm going to let you guys finish off that conversation. I appreciate it. Okay. And we will talk next Wednesday. Yeah, good to have you on Thursday. Thanks, Phil. I appreciate you coming in uh, uh, on your day off. <laughs> He's gone already. He really had to leave fast. Well, we got plenty of time. So my plan today, for Pianchi, I actually have an interview because uh, I'm trying to get uh, Chief Dan Skyhorse on the show because the, the Creek Band, Santa Rosa Creek Band, has the Creek Fest on November 18th and 19th which is the weekend before Thanksgiving. And I can't get him on because he's too busy putting it together. So I've got some of our recordings from WEY I'll be playing some point. But this is a good chance for us to talk. Uh, Mike Johnson, anything you want to talk about. Um, so let's, let's, let's have at it. What's, what's your, let me get your take on Mike Johnson, then anything you want to bring up is, is, is fair game. Well, I was going to say this. I like to, uh, once again, you have a way of putting points, as I commented, in the chat, great point, sharp and penetrating. Yeah, which one was that? What did I say? <laughs> well, when you were explaining to uh, Bill, but, okay. uh, you do have a knack for doing that, which is well, good because a lot of people cannot turn uh, mental thought into verbiage well where it can be understood and envisioned. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Do you know what I think really helped, though? Uh, eight years of tour guiding. And so I'm explaining to people from all over the world, different languages, you know, uh, and I used to go into some fairly uh, in-depth concepts 
uh, history, history of San Francisco. Uh, like when we went through, uh, you know, the Armenian section, you know, talking about not only Riceroni, but the 1915 genocide. I didn't hold back, you know, went through a certain section of San Francisco where the Truman administration had uh, had taken uh, black residents and uh, sent them over to Oakland and said, we're going to repair your Victorian homes. We're going to do urban renewal. And they trashed all the homes and turned them into public housing projects. And the folks didn't want to come back to those. They wanted their Victorian homes back. And so they stayed in Oakland. And so things like that we talked about. And the other thing, the other one is flight instruction. When you're a flight instructor, you have to be able to get the concept to people because their lives depended on it and everybody that rides within the airplane and everybody they fly over depends on it. So I learned early that words really become critical I and mean, you have to be able to, to summarize, to make points, to be clear. And so fortunately, I've had a fair amount of practice at it. So it is a skill. You can do it. You can learn it. But uh, thank you very much. I do appreciate that. But uh, that's a lot of it comes from um, you know, just, just practice over the last 30 years. Yeah. Now, as far as the speaker, he's from up mm-hmm. in Northern Louisiana. Yeah. Do you know him? And, uh, you know, people in New I don't know him directly. You know, I'm a transplant here, but I've listened to people that I uh, hang with uh, talk about him, and uh, they, they're pretty satisfied with him. But uh, what we what's needed, we had to get back to the principles of the United States, the Constitution in particular, and we have straight. They have strayed so far away from that, and they have denigrated uh, what parts that they tried to stick to, and it's things are just completely messed up from every angle, every turn that you come to. Well, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to Mike Johnson hearing. If you can, if you haven't, then go back to YouTube has has different. Uh, um, times when he was on, you know, doing his inquisitions, and they were amazing. But he, he would refer to the Constitution directly. He would talk about house rules. He knew the rules. He's very much of a, of a wonk, as they say. He knows the rules. He knows the Constitution. He uses it the way it's supposed to be used. You know, and so he's very, very good in that respect. But tell me about Louisiana. Is there something about northern Louisiana? Is it, uh, is it more patriotic? Is it um, more, I, I, I guess it's Catholic because uh, Louisiana has the French influence. So, so tell me about the people that are, are from where he's from. I'm curious. Well, they are God-fearing because every meeting I go to, they started off, pledge allegiance to the flag, then a prayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, if the nation is going to be saved, it's going to be the southern states to save it. No, I agree. That's why I came here. That's that's actually you've you've hit a, a brilliant point. One of the reasons I specifically looked in the South for a radio station is that I'm convinced, you know, and it, a lot of it goes back to the Civil War. This is the area that challenged the federal government. There's no other region of the country that had the gumption, you know, for good reasons and bad reasons, to challenge the federal government and actually take up arms against them. It's the South. The North didn't do it. Absolutely. The West didn't do it. Northwest didn't do it. The Southwest didn't do it. Texas might, and you know, <laughs> the jury, those jury's still uh, out on that. Yeah, but the South. Yeah, and, and, and even the things that you notice that uh, you have in your rights, your laws, uh, those very same things that men talked about, discussed, and brought up in discuss, in meetings uh, by other people. I'm going, I'm going to be in a meeting this Saturday where we're talking about proposals. And many of the proposals are things that we have talked about, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to try to get them across. And I mean, well, hopefully, I've inspired. Not only at a federal level, but at also at a local level. 
Yeah, hopefully I've inspired some ideas there. Let me know if anything if there's like any direct conduit between us, you know, here at Action Radio, and, or they, and they could have thought of it independently too. I mean, there's every reason to believe what we do here uh, is 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 very interesting, and but it's not it's not unique in every aspect. I mean, it is combining a radio show with a citizen legislature, but in terms of of the ideas that we have, a lot of them are, are have been thought of before, but they haven't been effectively promoted, and that's uh, that's a big difference. Um, let me get you something from directly from uh, Mike Johnson's website. Tell me what you think of this. This is him. So they're writing a bunch of trash about him right now in the liberal press. I've got a really bad uh, article from uh, MSNBC or MSPMS, whatever you want to call it. But here's, what, here's the about section from uh, Congressman Mike Johnson's own uh, website. Congressman Mike Johnson is a Republican member of Congress, proudly serving Louisiana's 4th District. He represents the nearly 760,000 residents of 16 parishes. Okay, people will be surprised to learn that, uh, that Louisiana does not have counties. It has parishes. Because it's still code Napoleon, it's still the French influence uh, is still there, which is interesting. And this is in the northwest and western regions of the state. Mike was first elected to the U.S. House of Representatives on December 10th, 2016. Aha! For a special election. Trump just came in. So he came in when Trump came in. That's significant, too. This is by the largest margin of victory in his region uh, in more than 50 years and is currently serving his fourth term in Congress. So he's a Trump. He's a Trump guy. What do you think so far? Well, like I said, I've heard uh, a lot of good things about it. Well, as recent as last night on a, on a conference yeah. call. Yeah. Here's one, too. It says, in January 2021, Mike was elected by his colleagues to serve as vice chairman of the House Republican Conference. See, that's the other thing, too. This is why he got the job as speaker. He was, he was next in line. So I think it was uh, Kevin McDeepstate, who still wanted the job. Uh, next was Tom Emmer in line. Jim Jordan, they kind of pulled out of a hat. But third in line is Mike Johnson because he was the vice chair of the House Republican Conference. And those are the folks that elected the, the speaker before they went to the full House to vote. This is one of seven elected leadership positions for Republicans in the House of Representatives. Uh, Mike was unanimously reelected. Let me get the good stuff here. Mike helps guide his Republican colleagues to fight for core conservative principles and policies. This is where the good stuff comes in. Mike also serves as deputy whip for the 118th Congress to help implement the Republican agenda something that Kevin McDeep State never did. Uh, that's not in there. I just added that. Then he says he was previously honored to serve as chairman of the Republican Study Committee, the largest caucus of conservatives in Congress, known as the intellectual arsenal of conservatism in the House. This guy's a brainiac. This guy's really smart. Now, you haven't heard him in, in committee hearing, or have you? Have you heard him? No, I haven't. Okay. No. Highly recommend go to a YouTube and just put uh, Mike Johnson committee hearing, and something really cool is going to come up. Here's another thing, too. It says, with two decades of previous experience in constitutional law. This guy's a constitutional lawyer. We've never had that as a speaker. Maybe Newt Gingrich. Yeah. Uh, Mike serves on the House Judiciary Committee. That's also, you know, the legal arm. So he serves with Jim Jordan. So they're going to work together. Jim Mm -hmm. is going to stay chair of of judiciary. And, uh, you know, in fact, they were it was going to be the opposite. If Jim Jordan was speaker, Mike Johnson would have been head of judiciary. But Jim's going to stay. I think Jim's better at head of judiciary. He's he's a bulldog. He's like the detective. Mike Johnson's like the policy guy. So I think this is actually working out perfectly. What do you Mm -hmm. think? Yeah. Well, yeah. So anyway, so so far, so good. And um, they've got people in the wings here in this state, believe it or not. That really? can always step forward and uh, be just as effective. But they, uh, they're very conservative with the ammunition. Interesting. Um, do you know about Senator Kennedy? Oh, I forgot his first name. Uh, who, who's the senator? 
No relation to the, the Kennedy, Massachusetts Kennedys, but who's Senator Kennedy? I can't think. I think his name is John, but I can't. Don't know his no, I don't think right offhand, right. but I tell you, yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he's something. He's what we call in our in my culture. He's something else. You know, <laughs> just like a baseball player, like yeah. Willie Mays, he was something else. John yeah. Dry, uh Colfax, he was something else. Hmm. I'll tell you a little trivia story. Uh, when I was a tour guide in San Francisco, when the Giants won one of their World Series, uh, I was in a uh, driving a motorized cable car, and I had all the scouts that actually brought players to uh, to the Giants. But to the two cars ahead of me, uh, one of them, Willie Mays, was sitting in. <laughs> so I'm sitting right behind. I'm driving right behind Willie Mays. That was pretty cool. And uh, who's the other famous um, ball player? I've forgotten because I'm, I'm not a sports guy. But anyway, I was sitting beside two of these Hall of Fame baseball players. It was kind of cool. So I've had some interesting experiences. Um, here's another thing about Mike Johnson, uh, Republican Study Committee, uh, Intellectual It also says he's chairman of the subcommittee on the Constitution and limited government. I mean, this is all the right stuff. He also serves, here's one more too, Select Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government and on the House Armed Services Committee. He's on all the right committees too. But he's on all, notice he's on all the committees that are conservative that are constitutional, that are judicial, uh, and really directly work with law. I just think interesting. Well, it is. Uh, you know, we always wondered uh, what happened to this ideology, and apparently it's been working in the background. Now it has a time to pop up. But uh, Kevin McCarthy was one of those persons that didn't want eyeballs nor the light shining on him because then – you would uh, demand the great expectations. Yeah. And you don't know until a person comes to bat to see what they can do. Interesting. I have an article that's pure propaganda, and I want to get your take on that. Um, and then I want to play my W.E.B. Wine interview. And then the third hour, if, you're, if you can stick around, I want to talk about Israel uh, uh, Gaza and all the points that you've brought up uh, that's, uh, that you've been trying to make. So I want to give uh, either 45 minutes to an hour, depending on how much time we have, but the last part to you to talk about anything that, uh, that you want to bring up, uh, all the many stories, um, especially Ethiopia, the, the women, um, you know, the origins of Israel and, and Palestine, all that stuff is, it should be, uh, should be um, out here and aired. So let me take a quick break now. It's 7.45. I'll play a couple things here, and we're going to come back with... Uh, uh, with the opposite article, pure propaganda. I mean, this is BS, and this is really, really obvious BS. And uh, then my WBY interview, and then uh, and then Pianchi. So let's do that. Let me just find my place where I'm going to play here, and we'll be right back. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call in line is two one five three eight three three eight three two. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash Citizen Action. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, 
please go to givesendgo.com slash action radio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Do you know someone who died in a hospital? Did you know that medical errors are the leading cause of death in hospitals? What if I told you you could prevent or protect yourself from hospital death? The founders of Hospital Hostage Hotline and ProtocolKills.com are offering a free upcoming webinar titled How to Save Your Life When Hospitalized. Here you will learn how to have your choices legally honored, how to prevent unwanted protocols and treatments, how to understand hospital structure, how to stop harassment and bullying. Space is limited, so sign up today at protocolkills.com slash webinar. And if you're thinking, I'll just never go to the hospital, see where that gets you when you've suffered a car wreck, an asthma attack, or a ruptured appendix. It's not just about COVID anymore. So do yourself and your family a favor by knowing how to save your ass by signing up for this free webinar at protocolkills.com slash webinar. Don't miss out. Do it now as if your life depends on it because it does. Reserve your seat to the webinar at protocolkills.com slash webinar. Catch it October 26th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time or October 28th, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Okay, we're back, and I've got uh, Pianchi, and between the two of us, I think we can solve pretty much most of the problems in the world. Um, this uh, what uh, what uh, Bill and Pianchi were talking about earlier, and I absolutely agreed, was that uh, it's a good thing that uh, he was nominated and voted on in the same day. There was no chance for the deep state media uh, and the Brandon insurrection to come up with a bunch of lies and propaganda uh, to discredit this guy enough that the Republican weenies, you know, the geldings that are in the gelding old party, 
uh, would have uh, turned tail and run and, and uh, gone back to their deep state uh, counterpart. So this is a this is a, this is as significant as Newt Gingrich as speaker, and every bit as significant as Donald Trump winning. Uh, the presidency. This is huge. And I don't think people realize just how huge this is, including conservatives. And the reaction from the, the leftist press, the Marxist press, is immediate, but it's too late. He's in. <laughs> you know, and like I say, he could be in another 20 years. So as long as the, the GOP you know, keeps the House, which depends on whether they uh, let the Democrats uh, steal it from him or not, um, he could be there for a long time. Anyway, this is from NBC News, which apparently is owned by Microsoft because I've got a big Microsoft logo here. Uh, the heading is, who is Mike Johnson? Five things to know about the new Republican House Speaker. This is a story by Sahil Kapoor and Ali Vitali <laughs> and Rebecca Kaplan and Kyle Stewart and Garrett Hockey and Julie Sidrin and Lori Rampari. Apparently, no one person can actually write a story for NBC News, uh, unlike uh, those of us here at uh, gregpanglesaw.substack.com, where I write the articles, and uh, you know we have individuals writing bills. <laughs> we, actually, we actually have individuals that do it, but apparently you need a consensus at NBC News to do anything. Uh, article starts off, Washington. Republicans elected a new Speaker of the House on Wednesday in Representative Mike Johnson in 22 days of a paralyzed chamber after a group of rebels overthrew Representative Kevin McCarthy. Let's just start right there, Pianchi. <laughs> Let the let the BS begin. <laughs> How's that for an opening line? Yeah, what do you think? What do you... and see that is a major problem uh-huh. that I see and have started to uh, witness as it has sprung up <clears throat> since the uh, the preclude of Donald Trump. The news media media is very toxic in their operations, their underhandedness, their misinformation. And the way they hype up and, and drum up emotions, and they are very dangerous, and they need to be dealt with. Yeah, yeah. But look, let's, let's, look this first sentence is so rich in propaganda; it's amazing. Ending twenty-two days of a paralyzed chamber, they weren't paralyzed at all. They were actively choosing a speaker. They debated. They debated in public, which is good, uh, and voted in public. They debated in private, which is okay, but they voted in private, which is not good, <laughs> you know, because the vote changed by 100 votes. But there's nothing, there was nothing paralyzed about it. Now, did they pass legislation? No, but they don't pass legislation all the time. So that's no criteria for being paralyzed. Uh, they have yet to come out with appropriations bills for the last 20 years, all of which is illegal under the House rules. So there's nothing paralyzed about it. But notice the use of the word paralyzed. Yeah, so in other words, go ahead. What do you think? And it's okay to it's okay to do a straw poll in private. There's nothing wrong with that. That's true. Before you go out on the stage, you want to make sure everything is all t- uh, neat and tidy. Oh yeah, and that's actually how legislation works. But what was interesting was the change between the public vote and the private vote. So publicly, only 28 people voted against Jim Jordan, but privately, 125 of them voted against Jim Jordan. So that's that's where I, I question it. But but listen, here's the next one: paralyzed chamber uh, after a group of are you ready rebels. Rebels Re- rebelling against what, the natural order. What do you think? What, what, tell me about the use of the word rebels for members of Congress. Well, yeah, it, it means rebellion. It makes people think of folks climbing up the wall at the state capitol and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, January 6th. So right? that's what, yeah, that's <laughs> what they're trying to associate that with. Uh-huh. All right. And here's the last part. We found like four flaws in this one. And we're only in the first sentence, folks. And then it, is, then it says overthrew. Representative Kevin McCarthy overthrew. What is, 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 was he preordained? Uh, is who, this a monarchy? Who created that? Is that MSNBC? It's MSNBC. 
No, it's, MB- no, I'm sorry, oh. it's NBC News. It's NBC News, um, and it's by all those people I listed, Sahil, Ali, Rebecca, Kyle, Garrett, Julie, and Lori <laughs> created this whole thing. Uh, and, but it's, it's well, Microsoft. Ultimately, it's Microsoft. I they would, got the Microsoft logo. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I would like to have the email address because I sure would give them a piece of my mind. Oh, I'll post this article. Do. I think it's already on Facebook. I mean, I can check later, but I'll, I'll certainly post it. Uh, you can take, and I'll put it on the Action Radio uh, group page so that you can see it. Yeah, but over, I love to see overthrew Representative Kevin McCarthy. Overthrew. He wasn't overthrew. He was, he was voted out. You know, rebels overthrow. I mean, this is this is this is the paralyzing, polarizing language that they use. Let's get the next sentence. Johnson, Republican of Louisiana, was nominated on Tuesday after three previous nominees flamed out. No, they didn't flame out. They were voted down. Then it says he unified the fractious conference. No, they had differences of opinion. Then it says winning votes from here we go. Right wing detractors of McCarthy. Let's let's start there. Right wing detractors of McCarthy. What does that tell you? Well, I tell you what, you do a rebuttal line for line, paragraph by paragraph. We are. And uh, if you don't have, yeah, and write it down because I've done oh. that too with uh, with something NAACP put out. Uh, so write it, write it down, par- write, rebut that particular sentence or that paragraph, and I would like to have it because I surely will send it <laughs> off to their okay. personal email. All right, I'll, I'll make a note to myself. I'll make it a Substack article. So NBC rebuttal. Yeah, I'll NBC make sure rebuttal. that they know that I'm a, I'm an American black, but they would never expect such. <laughs> such okay, well, I, from yeah, a black I, person. Oh my yeah. God, we really are in trouble. Well, are you a right wing detractor of McCarthy? <laughs> I am. <laughs> Well, but, no, but here's the language again, right-wing detractors. In other words, right-wing bad, because McCarthy's good. He's the natural order. He's the way it's supposed to be. The deep state is the natural order of things. The, 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 the uniparty, McCarthy is part of uh, the good people. The bad people are the right-wing detractors. And then it says, as well as centrist Republicans who oppose Representative Jim Jordan. All right, let's get, let's get the next uh, paragraph down. And then it says, his role in promoting 2020 election denial. Okay, so that's the subheading. His role, in other words, Mike Johnson's role in promoting 2020 election denial. What does that tell you? It seems like they're trying to get something out, and they want to make sure they uh, include all the supportive points in it. Mm-hmm. And it goes, and it, it seems like they want to end it with uh, saying that he's a puppet of Donald Trump. But it's interesting to use the word denial because denial implies usually that uh, that you refuse to accept, accept something that's obviously true. You're in denial. That's how the expression is used. So if somebody's in denial of the sky being blue, let's just use a, a, a simple example. You know, and everybody knows the sky is blue. Well, except maybe you know Green Party people. Um, but the but objectively the sky is blue. And yet if you don't say that, you say the sky is in, you know I don't know uh, orange. <laughs> which it is sometimes, but, uh, you know, you're in denial of, of, of the reality. So what they're really saying is the, the 2020 election was obviously, you know, properly done. Uh, and, uh, and remember the point I made before about people, the, the, the left doesn't say you're challenging the election. They say you're challenging the results of the election. So they don't care about the election itself. The election itself was a total fraud. They know that. They accept that. They don't care. 
They only want people to accept the results of the election. So if you don't accept the fraudulent results of the election, you're in denial. Rather than saying, you know, his, what it should say, his role in criticizing the fairness and legality of the 2020 election, that would have been a legitimate headline that either right or left could say, oh, I guess he's questioning the, the election. Okay, I understand that. That's okay. But they didn't say that. They said promoting 2020 election denial. In other words, the natural order of things, the way things are supposed to be, is that this was the freest, best, fairest election of all time. And Joe Biden, with no qualifications whatsoever, with mental you know, uh, degradation beyond belief, making him unfit for any job anywhere, not even a security clearance, is somehow, you know, and policies that totally screwed this nation that everybody knew about ahead of time, beat Donald Trump in a free and fair election. That, to me, is an impossibility. I don't even have to add the evidence. Just the simple logic of itself tells you it is an impossibility that Joe Biden beat Donald Trump in the 2020 election. Couldn't have happened. Well, yeah. And right? see, the, the way it's just like this in Fulton County, Georgia, Georgia where mm-hmm. you have candidates passing out water to people that's in line with their mm-hmm. campaign information on it within the prohibited distance to the polling place. Mm-hmm. And then the news come out and said, uh, they don't want blacks to have water. Oh, look how <laughs> ridiculous that sounds! Oh, that's great. That's prom- that's probably. And they did. Well, remember it the- too. They did it. Oh yeah. And oh, I know so they did it. Then they want what they want to say. That's what they call election interference. Not challenging the results of the election, but they call that election interference. Then they put a racist slant on it by saying. Well, they didn't want blacks to have water that was standing in line in hot weather. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not supposed to campaign within a certain distance of the poll in place, and you're not supposed to be handing out your campaign material, in this case, a bottle of water with your name and picture all over it. Mm, how about that and what to vote for? Yeah. And last time I looked, black people are capable of bringing water uh, to the polls. But you have some idiots that show up at the wrong polling places, and when they're not allowed to vote, guess what? It's calling racism all over again. Oh, sure. But, you know, and, and, and we've, we've talked about this before, that my feeling is that uh, um, just because something is a right doesn't mean you have to take Herculean measures to get people to exercise it. It's like guns. You know, uh, yes, the Second Amendment is a, is a right, which means it's a prohibition on the actions of government, but that doesn't mean you're given a gun. You've got to go buy one. <laughs> You know, it's nice if you take court too and actually know what you're doing. Um, same thing with uh, with a bunch of other stuff. But voting is the same way. You these early measures to to uh, you know give ballots to people in assisted living centers where they're you know even more incompetent than Biden is through no fault of their own. That's insane. All right, let me let me. Uh, this actually gets better. The next line is Johnson is a constitutional lawyer, so they actually give him credit. So in other words, he specializes. In the Constitution, he's read the Constitution. He's litigated on the Constitution, okay? And then they say, who has used his talents, not his knowledge or his skills, his talents, all right, implies something nefarious, right, to craft some creative and controversial theories. Why would a constitutional lawyer craft creative and constitutional theories? What does that say? What are they trying to say that he's not... Uh, uh, what he's preaching has not been proven to be true. Yeah, the well, he's lying about like the Constitution. Yeah, he's lying about the Constitution, <laughs> is what they're saying. And also the election. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, well, it gets better. Then the next sentence, the most notable in his role in, in devising an argument aimed at keeping Donald Trump in power, not elected, in power, even though he lost the 2020 election, which, of course, he didn't. Let me read that line without my editorial. The most notable is his role in devising an argument aimed at keeping Donald Trump in power, even though he lost the 2020 election. What does that tell you? Well, it goes against their their uh, expectation that Donald Trump wasn't going to give up the office. You're going to have to yeah. go in with a, a, a SWAT team in order to get him out. Well, do you know what his argument was? What was it? <laughs> that the battleground states, the state legislatures, which are confirmed by the Constitution to be in charge of elections put forward Donald Trump electors in defiance of the governors and the uh, secretaries of state, uh, who in most cases were Democrats, but not always, but that the state legislators have the legitimate role of putting forward the electors in a presidential election. That was his argument, which is absolutely correct. It's true. And, 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 and I don't know. Well, I know every state is different. But the compel the compelling ballots, not the compelling ballots, but the uh, parallel ballots was one that came from both. Uh, one mm-hmm. from the state legislature, properly so. Then you got a state secretary of state that uh, produced ballots too. Now the whole thing is is that Mike Pence. And he was supposed to turn both sets back in and say, hey, look here. Yeah, he was. It's not up he to he me to decide it. which one is right. It's up uh-huh. to you. You two, state legislature, secretary of state, you work this out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, but they call it devising an argument rather than saying this is what – they don't say what he said. They don't say what the argument is. They, they leave that out, like somehow because he's creative and controversial with his constitutional quote theories, he's incompetent, and he's devising, in other words, creating out of nothing arguments to keep Donald Trump in power. He wasn't, those arguments weren't to keep Donald Trump in power. Well, yeah, were. But what he was really doing was, uh, was saying that the states, the state legislatures, determine the electors. That's what he said. And he was absolutely constitutionally right. Mike Pence was wrong. Mike Pence is wrong in not turning the, the electors back to the states. Mike Pence is wrong in saying that he couldn't turn the electors back to the states. He was wrong in not uh, doing that on January 6th, maintaining the count, starting the count over again after, the, after the, uh, what we call the Capitol Hill Invitational Walk-In. See, when Congress came back, you know, after seven hours of, of arm twisting, you know, Mike Pence could have said, um, okay, we're just going to pick this up tomorrow. We're going we're gonna to clean up. We're going to fix it up. We're going to lock the doors this time. <laughs> we're going to do this properly. And we're going to start the count again at Arizona where it stopped. He could have done that, but he didn't do that. Why? Because he's part of the coup. But you don't see that in this uh, NBC article. It gets better. Here's the next, next paragraph. Okay, we're going to line by line. I mean, I'm going to use this show as my, my template for the article. All right. Then it says a New York Times article last year called Johnson, quote, the most important architect of the electoral college objections on January 6, 2021. Well, we said what those were. The battleground states with their Trump electors, which were perfectly legitimate because the state legislators put them forward. That's what he was the architect. In other words, he stated the truth. We just went over why. Do you have a comment or, or do you want me to, to continue on? Well, no, I will I make sure I get a comment of, I'm sorry, a copy of that because I'm going to disseminate it to some people. Yeah, you can share the show be, too. Uh, 
<laughs> it'd be easier. Yeah. You don't have to write it out. <laughs> just share the show. Just share this hour. All right. And I'll have it on the show notes as to when we start it. So the next thing is, I said mm-hmm. is, it says is his argument to colleagues, you know, it's not, not to Congress, okay? Colleagues, in other words, people that agree with him, friends of his. It's his argument to colleagues. Every word in here is, is key. That's probably why they had Tim working on it. They all took their own little paragraph, right? Is his argument to colleagues was that certain states challenge changes to their voting procedures, not their laws, their voting procedures during the COVID-19 pandemic, really wasn't, were unconstitutional, which they were. An argument that became more palatable to lawmakers than the fabricated claims of mass fraud. Well, that's not true either. In all, 147 Republicans voted to block the certification of Joe Biden electors. No, they didn't. <laughs> they wanted to have the challenge. But yeah, and that's people forget that 147 Republicans did not certify. No, they didn't. They didn't vote to block the certification. They voted against the certification. So literally, every line, every word in here is a lie. Is a propaganda piece. It is designed to have you think a certain way and bring you to certain conclusions. Because they're only giving you enough evidence and argument to guarantee that you can only have that one conclusion. And if you don't know what we know, you'd never have those conclusions. If you're like, you know, if you're just reading this, going, oh, yeah, NBC, it must be correct. Uh, They're important. You'd never know the things that we're telling you now. What do you think? Well, see, here's another thing, too. Like you say, Uh they did not want the challenges. You got the same thing going on in Fulton County, Georgia with Fannie Willis. With the RICO. Where is the RICO charging? Well, if you bring, if I charge you, Greg, with something, you're going to want to know, well, where are you getting this from? Where's the proof? Mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. want that challenge because it reveals that what they're standing on is no nothing at all. It's shaky. It's a bunch of hogwash. Yeah. And it costs yeah. money to do that. So it costs more to go back and forth for an extended period of time than just going on and taking a slap on the wrist. That there has got to change. That's right you call prosecutorial misconduct. Mm-hmm. And no, they absolutely. need to be punished from it. I mean, to the point of being removed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I think, in, I know in the case of Georgia, the uh, the governor um, who's a total anti-Trumper, never Trumper, could fire. Uh, that's not Fannie. Fannie Willis is in Louisiana, right? Or is, or is she Georgia? I'm, I'm not going to get my She's in Georgia. So she's the one to be fired by Governor. What's his name? Kent. Who's the governor of Georgia? Kemp. Kemp. There we go. So Kemp's an idiot, uh, or he's just a never Trumper. I mean, he could end all of this. Now here's the other problem. Remember how we talked about uh, the dominoes falling? Um, Bill mentioned Mark Meadows. You know, all these people are, are being coerced and extorted into making bogus confessions and all of which are going to be used against Trump. I think they're going to be used against these people, too. I think, they, I think they're screwing themselves. Sidney Powell and Jenna Ellis uh, and Mark Meadows are all confessing to things they know aren't true. They're doing it to avoid massive terms in jail. But these people could easily, you know, it, God forbid Brandon, you know, stays or some Democrats in. All these people, all those things that they confess to, they say, well, you confess to it. It's on tape. We've got it. Since you confess to it, we're going to recharge you with felonies. And they go to jail anyway. See, I don't think they've realized that. They think they're, they're, they're like uh, they're making the deal with the devil for some temporary expediency and leniency, but they don't realize that once they confess on tape, that's forever. That can come back to them any time. Charges can be refiled. I don't think these people have any idea what they're doing or what the deep state's capable of. Well, they taken they taken advice from their attorney, I'm sure. But you know, here's the point: you hear people hear this word indictment. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. but. 
But what about the rest of the slogan that a prosecutor could indict a ham sandwich? Yeah. What does that mean? So he needs it's a defense attorney. Hogwash. Yep. That there, that there needs to be addressed, and also the actions of judges need to be addressed too. And we're going to talk about that. People are going to talk about that. They are talking about that. They are being made aware of what some of these central focal points, problems that exist. And you're talking about NBC. Well, who's allowing that to go out? And what are they standing on? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, I was just thinking, I did post the article on Facebook, so it is available. Uh, the key to this is, and when they talk about election denial, all of this is, their entire argument is hinged on the fact that uh, they assert that Donald Trump lost the election. And the fact that he didn't lose the election makes all this a bunch of BS. But it says here, uh, aimed at keeping Donald Trump in power, as opposed to duly elected, even though he lost the 2020 election, which he didn't. Next section. Um, we already talked about the certification of Joe Biden electors. Those are the battleground states. <clears throat> We've been over it a bunch of times. Here's the next sentence. In mid-November 2020, Johnson gave a radio interview, and here we go again, listen to this, echoed a discredited conspiracy theory involving Hugo Chavez and Dominion voting systems. Echoed a discredited conspiracy theory. What does that tell you? Well, they keep going back to uh, the same old thing. Mm-hmm. And making people remember what they've seen at the uh, the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Now, Democrats discredited Dominion voting machines um, before the Trump election, 2015. They said you can't use them. Democrats on tape, Hillary Clinton in particular, you can't use voting machines. They're, they're connected to the Internet. The results are, are hackable. And they actually had Democrats showing, uh, with experts, showing how easily these things could be hacked. So they're only hackable you know, until they needed the machines to, to uh, have a fraud election. And then, of course, now you can't yeah, say anything. Yeah, they were talking now, about uh, uh-huh. Russia hacking the voting machines, remember? Yeah, everybody hacks them. Well, they, they're hackable. You can't have voting machines. And, and there was someone that made a claim on one of the news networks recently that voting machines are unconstitutional because they, they are, it's a go-between. You cannot have private entities in an election. It has to be person to government. You can't have any intermediaries. You can't have, the, you can't have mail-in ballots that involve the post office. Now you've got intermediaries, especially to Democrat Union postal workers. You can't do that. So there can be no party or entity between the person, the ballot, and the counter. You can't have anything in between them. And if you do, it's a fraud. So drop-off ballots, mail-in ballots, absentees that aren't duly certified with signatures and everything, all that stuff's unconstitutional. But, this, but, the whole, no, but here's what's interesting, though, and we've talked about this before on the show, so I want your opinion on this, that this entire article hinges on maintaining the fantasy that Donald Trump lost the election. They have to maintain that the coup that stole the election is legitimate. All of this is geared to convincing people that it was a free and fair election when we all know it wasn't. I mean, everything here is that way. Uh, echoed a discredited conspiracy theory as opposed to saying uh, in the mid-November 2020 interview, Johnson uh, uh, said that uh, the voting machines are, you know, should be, or he challenges the, the, uh, uh, the effectiveness and the, uh, the integrity and the honesty uh, and the legitimacy, legitimacy of votes from a voting machine. That's what it should have said, but it didn't. They call it a discredited conspiracy theory. First of all, it's not discredited, and it's not a conspiracy theory. It's proven. Democrats proved it themselves, but that's not what they say because they have to maintain. Remember what I said on the show? I've said this several times, that in order to maintain the coup, 
Yes, you know, today's lies have to confirm yesterday's lies. Tomorrow's lies have to confirm today's lies. And the lies have to be maintained to maintain the coup. Remember we talked about that? Well, yeah, and the substitution of challenging for overthrow. Yeah. He's trying to overthrow yeah. the election. No, they're challenging the result. Yep. That's what Texas has done in their lawsuit, mm-hmm. that the judge should have probably, but it is a controversy between states. And Texas did have standing because what the states that they mentioned was doing did, in effect, affect them. It affected yeah. a lot of states. Yeah. Here's an actual quote from what uh, Johnson said in that interview. They actually put this in, which is interesting. It says, in every uh, election in American history, there's some small, amount, small element of fraud, uh, irregularity. But when you have it on such a broad scale, when you have a software system that is used all around the country that is suspect because it came from Hugo, Hugo Chavez in Venezuela, which it did, when you have testimonials of people like this, uh, but in large numbers, it begs to be litigated and investigated. Well, they actually put what he said. Now, that's not what they said he said. That's what he said. And what he said makes sense. It does deserve to be investigated and litigated. What's the problem with that? It's not a discrete. If it well, needs to be litigated, Barr, it's not a conspiracy theory. Yeah, go ahead. If Bill Barr had made a complete statement rather than said, saying that such a small amount, but he didn't make a complete statement. Yeah. And then you have heard cases before even that particular election where people say there was no fraud. There's no yeah. voter's fraud. Well, tons of fraud. But there is. Hell, in any democratic area, yeah. if you walk by a cemetery the day after the election, all the graves have been disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've all voted, too. You know, I'm sure the names have been copied and used. Yeah, this is, well, this is why I say that, that you know, our election integrity bill, it's very simple. Uh, one of the provisions is that, election, that all the, uh, the voter registrations expire at the end of the year, and you just re-register. And if you've moved, you're going to re-register in the new place. Because if all the voting registrations expire, you can't register someone new and still be registered somewhere previously. Because that registration will and no longer exist. somebody just purged. Who was it just purged the polls? Uh, I'm sorry, they purged their, uh, the voter their registration rolls. All of them? They got the, uh, yeah, some, some, some state, I forget which one. Was it uh, really? Pennsylvania? Was it uh, Virginia? One of them. I'll write that down. I don't know. I've never heard. I don't know that. I can look it up. Yeah, look it up during our, our, our somebody break. was talking about it yesterday. Do you know who? No, I don't. I hear so much. Yeah. So it wasn't on my show then. It was on somebody else's show? No, it wasn't on your show. Registrations. Okay, hang on. I'm just going down here. Registration. Some secretary of state or some governor. It wouldn't have been the governor. So some secretary of state purged huh. the the, uh, the voters' rolls from uh, voters that haven't voted within such a given amount of time. So yeah. it looks like it's going on. Yeah, yeah. Here's something. There's another headline. His solidly conservative voting record. Now, to me, this is, this is the advantage, but they, they're trying to make it uh, a, a discrediting disadvantage. Yet in Biden's first two years, well, we dispute Biden, is that Johnson voted against a slew of bipartisan bills. Bipartisan doesn't mean anything. That just means, <laughs> that just means both parties vote for it. That, there's nothing magical about bipartisan. Bipartisan is what Republicans are supposed to do to vote for Democrat bills. But you never see them talking about bipartisan when Democrats only vote for a bill when they're in the majority. 
like uh, Trump's second impeachment, which was done basically on a voice vote. <laughs> no evidence, no hearings, no nothing. It was done like a day. <laughs> you know, so that's, but that's what they call bipartisan. Then it says, including to establish a January 6th independent commission. There was nothing independent about the January 6th commission. All Democrats and a couple of rhino Republicans, Lynn Cheney and uh, the crybaby, uh, um, and it was all propaganda. It was all done by a Hollywood producer. But they call it an independent commission. Then it says the infrastructure law. Well, the infrastructure law was pure inflation. It borrowed trillions of dollars, didn't create any infrastructure, and was a total waste. I would have voted against it, too. Then it says the reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act. Well, that had nothing to do with violence against women. It was a bunch of social programs. And then it says a modest new gun law. Well, that was unconstitutional. It violated the Second Amendment. And then it says the Chips and Science Act. I don't know what that is, but I'm, I'm sure if you voted against it, I'd be opposed to it, too. But look what they say. So these are the things they don't want him. He voted against the corrupt January 6th, you know, propaganda commission, the inflationary infrastructure law, the Violence Against Women Act that wasn't, and an unconstitutional gun law. And that's why they object to him. That sounds good to me. I like those votes. Well, that's why you need to rebut that. After each uh-huh. sentence, that's like you just made, in parentheses, yeah. say it was unconstitutional. I mean, it's simple. Yeah. That's the way you rebut them. Then I sent it to them. You know, uh, I've seen a lady, at the, uh, a professor, he had Martin Bernal wrote mm-hmm. a book called Out of Africa. Okay. Okay. He had another professor. I can't uh, She's on my mind. Lekovitz. Lekovitz. She wrote a book, Not Out of Africa. She rebutted everything he said. And therefore, he was, he was, he was intimidated. He was intimidated from that point on to make sure that what he wrote was accurate. Because if it wasn't, somebody's going to come in and embarrass him and say, well, you're wrong here. So you do the same thing with what you're reading, rebutted in parentheses with a short thing, unconstitutional, like you just got through saying. Well, um, I'll have to make it really short. This could take all day. I'm actually skipping a couple of sections here. They got a section on uh, his opposition to abortion it's and LGBT. Your time. Oh, okay, it's yeah, your all right. Time. Well, it's interesting. He says his opposition. Oh, just the headline: his opposition to abortion and LGBTQ rights. First of all, abortion is not a right. You you can't a right is something that you do individually, and abortion affects three people. So can, abortion can never be a right. That doesn't mean it can't be uh, illegal if people believe in that and, and they vote for it. Uh, the states do, but it's never going to be a right. Rights are always individual. And then they talk about LGBTQ rights. There's no such thing as those either because nobody can have special rights. No one can have rights above every, anybody else. Equal protection laws of the 13th Amendment says that. So special rights. That's true. Rights. There's propaganda right there. His opposition. So in other you words, know what the problem Go ahead. You know, when you read online stories, at the bottom mm-hmm. of the stories, there was room and opportunity for readers to make comments. Yeah. Well, they've done away with that on your online news. They've done away. They don't allow readers. It was around the time when they had the incident going on in uh, Ukraine when they overthrew uh, Yanatovich, the uh-huh. last time that I remember. So they don't like for people it's not that they don't like for people to challenge them. They don't like for readers to read the challenge that's challenging them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're challenging them. And, uh, NBC, if you want to come on the show, they're not listening, obviously. But if they did, listen, when we get a million listeners, they'll be on the show. 
and I'll welcome them on the show, but I'll challenge them. <laughs> yeah. Here's another line. It says he voted against bipartisan legislation out of same-sex marriage, which Biden signed into law in 2022. Well, he's following the Constitution because the federal government has no jurisdiction over marriage. The states do. So, of course, he voted against it. Bipartisan doesn't mean anything. And why would you cut a same-sex marriage? You're already changing the definition of marriage. I object right there. So for a couple of reasons. One, federal government has no jurisdiction. And two, marriage means between a man and a woman, you know, sanctioned by God and licensed by the state. So the, the, the Congress can't codify same-sex marriage. So, of course, he voted against it. But they're calling that a, a disadvantage or, or something, you know, reason to, to, to not uh, approve them. What do you think? I agree with you. Yeah. Here's another one. Johnson authorized legislation called the Stop the Sexualization of Children Act of 2022, which, quote, prohibits the use of federal funds to develop, implement, facilitate, or fund any sexually orientated program, event, or literature for children under the age of 10. Well, that's the drag queens. Of course we voted against, he voted against that. This was funding drag queens. They don't say that. You know, even uh, Bianca Von Krieg, our, our progressive socialist trans reporter from San Francisco, is against grooming and drag queens for children. They don't say that, though. They call it an event. They call it literature. I call it pornography. You know, even the parents in school board meetings, they're reading things directly from uh, things that are accessible to 10-year-old children, and they can't read them to adults in a school board meeting. That's parental discretion. That's how bad it is. Yeah. But in other words, the things, you know, and it's, uh, and I have nothing against LGBTQ people. You know, like I said, I'm from, you know, I spent 30 years in San Francisco. That's not the thing. But nobody gets special rights. You know, I'd, I'd be just as against, you know, white Christian male special rights. Nobody gets special rights. Illegal aliens don't have rights at all because they can't be here. And they do it all the time, like Minnesota uh, mm-hmm. laying off, firing white teachers before they fire and black teachers, even yep. though the whites have more seniority. Yeah. Yeah. The last little bit here um, talks about a relatively inexperienced speaker. So when everything else fails, he hasn't been there long enough. He's not deep enough into the deep state. It says, with fewer than seven years under his belt, Johnson has a shorter length of service in the House than past speakers in modern history. McCarthy was in the House for 16 years before being elected speaker. Nancy Pelosi had 20 years of experience. Paul Ryan served 16 years, and John Boehner had 20 years before ascending to the top job. Well, if your examples of a good speaker are Kevin McCarthy, Nancy Pelosi, Paul Ryan, and John Boehner, I don't care how much experience you have. (laughs) Give me the guy with seven years. <laughs> Bianchi? Rebut it. I just did. Yeah, and that's right exactly what I'll say. Yeah, if, if that's your, if you those are the people you, yeah, if those are the people you value, the worst speakers in congressional history, Kevin McCarthy, Nancy Pelosi, Paul Ryan, and John Boehner, they're terrible. Like I say, he's the first good speaker since since Newt Gingrich. The only problem is he Born doesn't have. Point. Yeah, he doesn't have like a Bill Clinton. English of Action Radio, point by point, <laughs> write it down. I'll disseminate it. Okay, well, I'm almost done. Uh, uh, oh, here, here's Mitt Romney, who's the, 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 the Democrat-Republican, uh, said uh, that he knew very little about him. 
that's how we got elected, right? But that it would be interesting to see how the House runs if they choose a speaker that has no experience in leadership or as a committee chair. In, in, inexperience seems to be a qualification. Well, you know, Trump did a pretty good job running the country with no experience in politics at all. He'd never been elected to anything. And he's one of the best presidents we've ever had. So, again, it's like the cult of the expert, the cult of experience. Experience does not connote wisdom or capability. Huh. Well, then they bring the Civil War into it. Now, this is, this is, this is not my area of expertise, but let me read this. I'm curious what you, what you say. Uh, this also marks the first time since before the Civil War that the original leading speaker candidate for the party dropped out after votes had been cast on the floor. That would be Kevin McDeepstate. Then it says the last time that happened was during the election of 1859-1860, which is right before the Civil War, right? When freshman William Pennington was elected on the 44th ballot only as the initial leading Republican candidate, John Sherman, over there in relation to a general, you know, withdrew. um, Pianchi, is that supposed to mean something? Well, I'll tell you, I'm reading another MS and saying Supreme Court delivers bad news to conservatives. Oh, what was that? Well, I haven't got into it. I'm just looking at a headline. They were probably but, happy. Um, these, are, these are things that need to be uh, need to be addressed. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take a little break now. And uh, what I'm going to do is um, play. I sent um, you a couple... story about a plane crash, too, so take a look at it if you get a chance. Yeah, I'm curious about, well, because we love talking aviation. Though. Well, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to about, uh, I got a 42 minute interview with uh, Chief Dam Skyhorse of the Santa Rosa Creek Band. They have the Creek Fest here in Milton, Florida, at the uh, Santa Rosa Tribal Grounds. Uh, and this is going to be November 18th and 19th. It's the weekend before Thanksgiving. I'll be there. I'll probably do a video. Um, These are the folks that uh, made me members of the tribe uh, for the work that I did getting the the Creek Tribe onto uh, WEBY 1330 AM. Dan's been on the show here. He had the Creek Tribe report for, I don't know, a year or two. I'm not sure how long. I want to get him back. But, you know, he's chief. He's busy. It's hard to get a hold of, but uh, because he can't be here, I'm still going to play the interviews uh, that had him here. And afterwards, we'll play a couple announcements first. And we'll get some of those done. And then we'll get to, let me see where I can find it here. I know it's here somewhere. I'll find it during my last ad. Uh, creek, creek, creek. Ah, there it is. Okay, good. So I'll play you guys a couple things first, and then we'll be right back. And it's now 829. And so, Pianchi, you'll have 45 minutes uh, or so when we get back um, to talk about Israel and anything you want to talk about there, which I'm really looking forward to. It's going to be very interesting. Back in a bit. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink 
that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Okay, so just to make another announcement, and we'll be talking about this in detail. In fact, I'm going to make my own little promo on it, um, is that uh, <laughs> Marco's in the Netherlands. He just texted in. He says, wait, wait, let me get my surfboard. <laughs> okay, you can call me dude now. Like, like, totally awesome. Like, Marco, you know, if you go surfing, like in California, and you get a pizza, and you take that surf out there uh, at, at Amsterdam on the beaches, it's going to be like, like, totally awesome, dude. So you guys start talking like that, Marco. That'd be interesting with the Dutch accent. All right. So our Citizen Legislation Day is January 7th. You're going to hear a lot more about that. And we're going to be at the Imogene Theater. Uh, it's a Sunday. We'll be there from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., maybe later. Who knows? Um, but it's going to be a, a showcase of actual legislation, how to write it, how to advocate it. This is a workshop, and we've got all kinds of media. Uh, I hope we'll be there. We've already got social media guaranteed, so we've got worldwide coverage already. I'm going to hear more about that. Um, what I also want to talk about is the Santa Rosa Creek Band. Uh, which used to be tribe, now it's banned. I get confused with the terminology. Um, chief Dan Skyhorse, uh, who is the chief of the Santa Rosa Creek Band, uh, and, and all the creek are here are putting on a creek fest. Uh, it used to be called powwow, now it's called creek fest. So the creek fest is November 18th and 19th. You can go to my page. Uh, I'm posting some of the posts. You can go to the Santa Rosa Creek Band Facebook page, and you can see what's happening. It's going to be fabulous. Uh, I'm out there every time it's offered. It was it was closed a couple times during COVID, uh, but it's going to be really interesting. Again, Dan can't be here because he's busy putting that together. So I want to play you some of the things to get to, so people can get to know Chief Dan and the Santa Rosa Creek Tribe uh, Band. Excuse me. Um, and the way I did this, uh, most of the times we talked was on WBY. Uh, I can go back to podcasts. Before you can always look him up. Dan's appearance, his many appearances on Action Radio by going to if you look at your broadcast page right now, look at the top in the center. There's a little search window. So just put Action Radio, comma, Chief Dan Skyhorse, and his shows will pop up. So you can listen to those on your own. W-E-B-Y, the only way to listen to it is when I put it on podcast now. So this is from January 31st of 2018. 
So this is, this is, you know, five years ago. And let me just play it for you. We had a fascinating discussion. Callers called in. And I'll just let you, just let you listen. Again, this is for the, the Santa Rosa Creek Band Creek Fest, November 18th and 19th this year. But this interview I'm playing uh, is from 2018. So phone numbers, uh, things that you hear that are not related to Action Radio, um, those don't exist anymore because <laughs> the station doesn't exist anymore uh, in this form. All right, let's go. I'll talk to you all soon. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I kind of have a little bit of uh, fun here with one of my favorite shows, which is the monthly, although we missed it uh, last month. We didn't have our, our, our Creek Tribe show, so I have uh, Vice Chief Dan Helms with me here, which you can call Skyhorse. And, uh, and the, the, when the tribe wonderfully adopted me as a member, which I'm still thrilled at, proud of, and, and, and still kind of shocked a little bit by, because uh, it's such an honor. Uh, I have been named Skytalker. And so when you call in, that's how you can address us as, as Skyhorse and Skytalker. And in fact, I found out something really cool yesterday. Uh, we had uh, our tax folks on from Escambia County, and apparently I have an antique plate on my car, but I can still you know, get the antique rate and get a personalized plate and have like S-K-Y-T-K-R. You know, it's my license or, or, or ACNRDO for Action Radio. We'll see, uh, see how that goes. But uh, one of the things that's kind of fun. So you can have personalized plates and, uh, and do some fun stuff with that. We should, uh, we should work on that to be more visible or not, as the case may be. Yeah. Well, it could go either way. You may or may not want to be seen. <laughs> well, I, I'll get to some topics like that in a little bit, uh, but uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, Ada, was that Clarence uh, giving us a shout here? Yeah, okay, tell you what, what we should do, um, d- tell them open lines are tomorrow, so we have, uh, okay, great, thank you. We have, we have a wonderful caller uh, from, uh, from Cleveland that calls in Clarence. He's just, mm-hmm. he's just has some uh, just really insightful, fun kind of stuff, but, uh, but we're going to get to him uh, tomorrow because we can chat for a while. So let's get, to, let's get the news. What's going on with the Creek Tribe? Well, some exciting stuff. Uh, we're uh, in the process, of course, of, as I've said before, building our Native American Cultural Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the structure has been completed, and we are about to begin the uh, interior finish. And we're hoping to, uh, in the spring, to be able to open up the Cultural Center with the Artifacts Museum. We have uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,000 Native American artifacts that... Um, We'll be putting on display. Now, I, I got to hold you there for a second because you know the Creek Tribe is, uh, you know, Santa Rosa is is not that big. How did you sock away three thousand artifacts? Has this been through families, through history, through where did it all come from? Well, some of it is has been handed down through generations to the people that are are in our tribe. Uh-huh. Some of the things have been donated to us um, by uh, collectors. Uh, and I said the statement was that it's Native American, right. so it's not limited just to Creek okay. artifacts. We mm-hmm. have uh, uh, an Anastasi cook pot. What's that? So that's uh, from out in the uh, Mesa Verde out in uh, oh, okay. New Mexico, uh, Arizona area. Huh. Uh, that uh, the, the pot is about 1,500 years old. Oh, wow. So we've got uh, some Kachina dolls from out west. We've got... Uh, uh, we've got a peace pipe that was used uh, in the signing of a peace treaty that Chief Plenty Coop would, and, and that is not like chicken coop, that's like coop, like when they uh, counted coup, when they uh, would touch an enemy or touch a bear. 
And uh, what, that was a show of bravery. Yeah, let's let's talk about that a little bit because that that sounds like a. So we have the actual peace pipe that was used at the okay. signing of that treaty. Okay, so so I want to go to the peace pipe in a bit because you know we we have the movie version uh, of it, but I, I want to get to get the real version. But uh, that was so. Tell me about this test of bravery. So you you would actually you didn't have to to kill your enemy. You just kind of uh, touch them somehow. How did how did that work? Well, yeah, that it was. Uh, course not in war right well, that's but different. Yeah. but it was uh, a sign of bravery when uh, in in the it could be not the in an enemy person it could be a bear or a uh, or some animal a mountain lion that you would actually go up and touch uh-huh. uh with your hand or with your uh, uh orca. that was just a, a show of bravery yeah uh other than that um there was no really reason for it no, I think, hey, listen, the reason enough is, is just the challenge of it. And I think, uh, I love rituals. I love challenges like that. I think, you know, especially in our, in our modern culture, we've talked about this on different topics, uh, on different days, that we're losing so much of our challenges as we, as we become, you know, especially you take, you know, young boys in school and they're, they're, they don't get to, if they show too much energy or enthusiasm or, or defiance, all of which I was guilty of, you know, you you get the riddling, you get the you get the drugs, you're you're ADHD. We can't do that. You know, and and so we're losing things like I mean, this would be looked upon as 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 like needless violence or unnecessary risk. And I'm thinking, those are reasons to do things. All the eccentric, crazy, wonderful things that uh, that individuals can do, like you know, touch a bear with a war club. That's that's gutsy. <laughs> you know, and that's just the nature of that alone. You know, sounds like something. And I think we're losing. Uh, as we sort of water down our society and, and lose traditions like that. I don't think the actual touching the bear with a war club was the hard part. I think it was getting away, getting away. from the bear. <laughs> yeah, and that's the, that's the bravery. That's the, that's the real part, yeah. The, the Native Americans uh, had some other things that they did. They used uh, stickball, okay. and they called it the Little War. And if they had a dispute with another tribe, mm-hmm. they would engage them in a game of stickball that could last anywhere from three to five days. Wow. And upon the the uh, victory or defeat, whichever way it went, uh, they would settle their disputes in that manner. So it wasn't <laughs> always just an out-and-out war. That actually makes a lot of sense. And I remember, uh, I don't know how historically accurate, I think they actually tried on this one, Last of the Mohicans. Except it wasn't, because I think there are still Mohicans, but they, they had uh, like a, a sort of an early version of lacrosse to kind of settle some stuff. That's, yeah, stickball yeah. is uh, is very similar to lacrosse. That's okay. where lacrosse came from. So I, I thought lacrosse was possibly like a Canadian, uh, Native Canadian original sport. Or do you know where it came from? Uh, I know it's Native American or Native Canadian somewhere. Yeah, it, well, it, I think it came from the northern part of the of, of the country. Okay, and so that would that yeah. would make sense that it would uh, be up in that area. Yeah, and but see the the Native Americans were prolific traders, and they went all over the place. Uh, uh, they weren't just you know st- centralized in one area. In fact, the Creek Indians from this area. Uh, annually would go up into the Ohio region and trade with people. They would go up up the waterways and they would trade with the villages along the waterways as they went. So it was uh, uh, traditions, games such as that. Mm. Um, you know, they they made their way through the the Native American society. In fact, there's a uh, the the forerunner of basketball uh-huh. was a Native American game. They had a, a hoop that was, it wasn't uh, 
like a basketball hoop, but it was like a basketball hoop turned like sideways. A, like a basket or something, probably more. You well, know. it was just a hoop, and okay. uh, it was turned sideways. Huh. And uh, so the it was elevated on a pole on the uh, the central grounds, and they would have a game to see who could throw a, a, a ball through that hoop. Interesting. Does uh, does Cooperstown, does the Basketball Hall of Fame, have any reference to this at all? I don't know. I've never been there, but yeah. uh, James Nesbitt, I think, was the guy that uh, is attributed to inventing basketball. Uh-huh. So uh, that's I'm pretty sure that's where he got his inspiration. In, in, <laughs> inspiration's kind of a nice way to put it. So invented or, or, or borrowed, do you think, uh, if we look back through? through uh, let's go with enhanced. Let's give the guy okay. some credit. Because he actually changed the angle and, and, and put the, the basketball. He did, and, and he made a, a ball that uh, would bounce, which uh, the Native Americans used uh, Balls that were made of uh, uh, grass, so they didn't bounce. No, no dribbling, no, no, no bouncing, no foul shots from outside the the key. No, that that cool no. stuff. Okay, good for Nesbit then. Adoc should uh, see if he has a, a bit to contribute. If you want to call in on on you know if you have questions you you know that you you've wondered about uh, Native Americans or if you think that you might be. Uh, you know, part of a tribe or want more information. Uh, we don't have our genealogist here. Gail's not here, but uh, we can refer people, you know, to her. And, and uh, all the questions that you might have, all the things you see from the movies and TV that you think might not be accurate, give us a call here. 850-623-1330 is the number, which is on our Facebook page always. It's 850-623-1330. Uh, it's 815. We've got to rearrange our breaks a little bit. We've got the news that comes up now at 830. So we're going to take a quick break now. And I've got uh, Vice Chief Dan Helms, uh, named Skyhorse. And I'm Sky Talker, so we we gotta have people with more than than Sky in their name, otherwise people are gonna get confused with us a little bit. Take a break, and we'll be right back. A little different version of this song. It's kind of interesting. All right. Needless to say, we've we, we, we've got to get the listeners caught up, uh, Skyhorse, because we've been talking about so many different things here. We're going to get to everybody here. So this is our, our Creek show that we do every month. Uh, Vice Chief Dan Helms, uh, known as, as Skyhorse, and uh, me, your host, Greg Penglis here, who has been named Sky Talker, uh, made a member of the Creek Tribe. And so if you have a question, if you have a statement, if you have a comment, give us a shout here, 850-623-1330. We do uh, the Creek show every month. Uh, last day of the month as much as we can, and so we're kind of in the middle uh, of some stuff now. So uh, where <laughs> where were we? <laughs> did you finish up your last thought? Or uh, I did. Okay. So let's something that uh, that has come up. Uh, we were talking about uh, the Cleveland Indians, the, the baseball team with uh, I guess they call their emblem Chief Wahoo, and it was made in 1947 when uh, you know slightly less uh, enlightened times are certainly politically correct times than we have now. And I understand people saying, well, it's tradition, we want to keep it, but um, Dan, I wanted your perspective on, on this. Well, times have changed, and you can yeah. see that actually in the in the movie industry, where uh, back in in the uh, earlier times, uh, Indians were portrayed as uh, just raging savages with no sense of anything other than just um, yeah a war nature. And over the years, that has evolved. And now we've we've come to the place where Indians are being portrayed in the movies as a uh, as being sensitive and um, in tune with nature, and which is more uh, in characterization of what the actual Native American uh, cosmology is. Yeah. And uh, the 
the one word that if you had to describe the cosmology of the Native American is harmony. So we were uh, Native Americans were peaceful people. Yeah, which 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 makes sense. The first two movies that come to mind, uh, uh, Dances with Wolves, mm-hmm. uh, was I'm sure that broke some ground. I think uh, the Dustin Hoffman film Little Big Man, which was like 60s or 70s or something, mm-hmm. something like that, that was a pretty decent portrayal, if I remember. It's been a long time since, I, yeah. since I've seen it. But your question was about the the mascot. Yeah, we we'll can get back to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we got Marshall. Marshall, we'll, we'll get to you in just a bit. But uh, so so, uh, what do you think? Well. Uh, Things can be done in a good way or a bad way. If you take the Florida State University, mm-hmm. uh, they're the Seminoles. Right. They are actually supported uh, in their use of the, the name Seminole uh, by the Seminole tribe of South, and down in South Florida. Mm-hmm. And they actually uh, make contributions to Florida State University to keep that, uh, keep that going. And Chief Osceola, if anybody's watched an FSU game, at the beginning of the game, he comes r- out riding out on his horse renegade with a spear, and it's uh, it's quite a sight. I've got a picture here. This is pretty impressive. It's a spear with 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 a, I guess these are feathers up and down the side, and the, it's like a painted horse. It's like a white horse with uh, black spots, and uh, it, this is pretty pretty impressive. Well, and that's very acceptable. Yeah, uh, it's that's not offensive to anyone, uh, but uh, the cartoonish characters are. I don't care what if you're Native American or what you're Irish or French or whatever the the cartoonish thing can be offensive to whoever you are yeah. and the Native Americans are no different than than that than other people. I'll tell you one one quick story that I heard and I, was, I talked about this yesterday on the air when we, when we first heard the news story uh, was that there was a Native American who who put it in perspective for me. He says, "What if I come out and, and I brew my own beer and I call it Jesus Christ beer?" And put a big cross on the can. How would you feel about that? And that uh, sort of brought it home to me. Said, you know, that makes a lot of sense. So let's, uh, let's get Marshall and see what he's got. Marshall, you're on the air with uh, Vice Chief Dan and uh, me, uh, Sky Talker. Well, refer to me as Star-Lord, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fine to me. What's um, on your mind, sir? Well, i got a couple of things. First of all, when it comes to the Indians, are you aware of why they were called the Cleveland Indians? Actually, I'm not. No, let me let us well, know. Th- this was a compliment to an Indian player they had on their team, and when they were deciding on a name in honor of this guy, they became the Cleveland Indians. Okay. Now, what do you remember? What the original logo was of the team? Because it, this would have been before they, they adopted the the current symbol. No, I don't know, but. It's just like when you're talking about the Florida State Seminoles, when he said they're not offensive to anybody, uh, the Seminoles that were taken out west and surrendered, they are against the Seminole name being attached to Florida State. Now, they don't live in this state, but they're offended by it because I've had this discussion with Mike Bates, Mm -hmm. and there are more Seminole Indians out west than there are here. And they are offended by it, yeah. or they hang, claim to be. Hang on to that point just for a second. I want to get uh, Dan's point of view. What's, what's, what's the story on that? Um, he's correct. There are more Seminoles in Oklahoma than there are in the, in the state of Florida. Okay. And there's, um, there are two factions, uh, almost, if you will, a, a political-type faction. And, and, and Marshall, you are, you are correct. I, I'm, as I thought about this, I, I stand corrected that there are uh, Native Americans and 
particularly Seminoles, who are offended by that. Uh, and they are the ones that are in the Oklahoma area. Uh, those the Seminoles that were, were sent to Oklahoma, which are actually Creek Indians, uh, they're more the traditionalists. And they okay. were able to keep the traditions because they were able to stay together. And the Seminoles, Creeks, who uh, stayed behind in the south and were able to evade the uh, capture and to be removed or killed by the Indian Removal Act of 1830, um, they uh, were a little bit more um, accepting and trying to blend in. So okay. they their their ideas and um, were were moderated somewhat because they had a lot of other influences. Where the Seminoles who were put on a reservation in Oklahoma were able to keep their traditions and and such more intact than the uh, Native Americans in the South, because uh, with the government uh, soldiers after you trying to either. Uh, remove you or kill you, uh, it was basically um, cultural survival on the run. So that's that's an excellent point, Marshall, and and uh, you, you are correct. Yeah. Marshall, do you have right. I, I have a whole lot more respect for the Seminole Indians that are here. They never surrendered. They went off into the swamps, and to this day I don't think there was ever a surrender of the Seminoles that are here. Do you know what that symbolizes when he rides out there and throws his spear down? I do not. Uh, that's a symbol of some of the greatest bravery on earth. When the Indians would be at war, one of their Indians would ride into the camp of the soldiers and throw that spear down as a sign of defiance and that they were going to fight. There's one more thing I'd like to take issue with you on. Okay. All right. What was the adjective you used that you would describe Indians? Oh, uh, or harmony. Intent? Harmony. Harmony. Mm-hmm. There was only harmony within the camp because the Indian tribes were attacking each other, and they would take slaves and take horses. And there were actually some tribes of the American Indians out west that did human sacrifice. Okay, hey, Marshall, let's get a response on that. Okay, I'm not aware of any, uh, I'm aware of the, uh, down in Mexico, some of the uh, Indians from down there. Isn't that Aztec, isn't it? Yeah, Aztec, Aztec and Inca? I think it was. Yeah. I'm not aware of that in the in the western United States. I'm not saying it never happened, I'm just yeah. not aware of it. Um, okay, I'll try, I'll try to get you that info. Okay, yeah. uh, but the when I say about the harmony, the cosmology of the of the Native Americans was that there was a, a a creative force or great spirit or whatever you'd like to call it, and that everything was connected, uh, and it didn't matter if it was animals, it was plants, it was the earth itself, it was the people. Yeah, the mountain has that, a spirit to that it. That everything was connected. Yeah. Now, some, as in any um, thing that deals with people, some people are better at harmony than others. And uh, but overall, that was the objective, and it it perp- uh, percolated down through the the tribal um, uh, governments, uh, which were that's a loose 
more of a, a defining statement. It was really more of a confederacy mm-hmm. um, than Because there weren't written government. documents. There wasn't a yeah, charter. There wasn't yeah, the, any. Yeah. The uh, Creek Indians actually had no written language until the missionaries got here. Okay. And everything was an oral history. But the goal, I'll put it that way, uh, if you followed the cosmology of the of the Native Americans, was to be in harmony as much as they possibly could. Yeah. Right. I think one of the biggest shames of American history is they don't show where the Indian nations had huge lodges. I mean, it would hold a thousand or more people, and they were from different tribes. And those people got along. They made a treaty with each other, although it wasn't written. Theirs was man-to-man, and the blood oath where they sliced their hand and become blood brothers, that thing was true. And to them, when they gave their word, it wasn't like the fork-tongued white man. We were the ones that broke every treaty that was ever made with the Indians. They didn't break them. And Just got a few seconds left before the news, Marshal. Okay, well, I have a lot of respect for the American Indians. I think they were treated far worse than the slaves. I mean, that's undeniable. And I'm for them. I just, I hate it when it's pictured that they were all so peace-loving and stuff because they're just like all other people. They're murderers from the beginning. i got to let you go. Yeah. And it's time for the news. One of my favorite songs, you know, Boys Are Back in Town, if I can play it. Yeah, I'm going to work on that. Some drummers. Yeah, oh, good. <laughs> yeah we, I can make some fun of this. Yeah, good that we got some drummers. That'd be good. So I'll, I'll get to, I'll have my, my Creek drummer on board. Well, yeah, because that's, that's, that's more tradition. This has been fascinating. Like I said, I never know where the show's going to go. I kept Marshall on as long as I could. Probably a couple of seconds too long, just because we, we sort of ran into the news there. But um, Dan uh, Skyhorse, you had some, uh, you want to respond to, to Marshall's last comments? Well, just to add to it, I appreciate Marshall calling in, and he had some some very good things to say. Um, one of the things that has uh, has come up a number of times um, is the fact that um, the Native American either gets portrayed as the savage or the um, the sensitive. One of the two, and there seems well, you to, can't be both. <laughs> and there's, there seems to be no yeah. no uh, middle ground on that, yeah. either one or the other. And and I would I would liken it to, and I go back again to the cosmology of the of the Native Americans. And just because they didn't have a written language doesn't mean that that cosmology wasn't as complex as any other uh, group or society. Uh, it could be more complex because you have to do everything. You got to keep everything in your brain, so you have to develop your mind more to be able to remember all these things and pass them down. You can't right. just go look at. We're so used to looking up things on the computer, mm-hmm. or it used to be in encyclopedias. If you have an oral history, if you're the keeper of that history, you got to know a lot of stuff. Exactly, and it's it's hard to to keep that going. Yeah. Um, but the the philosopher Pascal said, no matter how thinly you slice it, there are always two sides. Oh, interesting. And I, you know, it's like if you liken any religion, which the uh, the Native Americans, their cosmology was basically their religion, their view of the of the world and the 
and their, their beliefs in how it operated and how it should operate are are not much different than uh, the view of any religion would have. Mm. And it's like a, a religion. You have, uh, even though you have the guideline and you have the opportunity to be the best person you could ever be, not everybody achieves that, and some go the other way. So at the bottom line, I guess, is that Native Americans uh, would strive for that harmony because that was uh, what they were, um, uh, their belief yeah. to, to be in harmony. But like any of the rest of us, not everybody achieved that or not every group achieved that. But it doesn't mean you didn't you didn't try. So. Yeah, well, you got grumpy people, you got angry people, you've got uh, thieves, deceivers, you've yeah. got uh, criminals of every stripe, and you got really nice people and passive people and people that are too quiet. And yeah, I mean, in any population, you're going to have everything. But exactly, uh, and yeah. and it's like uh, we hear today that uh, some of the the groups that because you're a particular race or a particular skin color that every one of you thinks just alike. This that is, is <sighs> that is totally not. Not the case uh, today, nor was it the case uh, any time through the history of the Native American cultures. Yeah, this is a good time to get into the State of the Union message, because if you contrast what uh, what the former President Barack Obama would do, and the thing that just infuriated me uh, when he says that, that uh, Americans, particularly conservative, white, gun-toting, Bible-carrying you know, carrying American, you know, especially conservative white men, you know, don't like anybody that doesn't look like them, and it's the most... And fear me every time he said that, because I don't care what people look like. I really don't. Uh, I just care who you are. You know, I go with the Martin Luther King, you know, philosophy. Judge, judge on the content of your character, because I was judged, you know, coming to this country as as an Australian basically, and was a minority of one. So, mm -hmm. and people and people of of more traditional American minorities by skin color will say, well, you don't know what it's like to be a minority. I said, yeah, I do, and that judgment was placed on me. So I understand this from many different uh, many different points of view, but um, the whole idea of, of of harmony is something. And actually, it makes sense because I sort of grew up with that as my own intrinsic knowledge before the schools and the religion. Everybody else kind of told me how to think, but it makes sense that everything's connected. You know, my belief is that we are in an amazing place on this planet where you have the water that we need, we have the air that we need, we have the minerals that we need to make things, we have petroleum for energy, we have all this stuff. We basically we have everything that we need here. And to think of that as some kind of cosmic accident doesn't make any sense to me at all. So there had to be some kind of intelligent design to sort of put this together. So if it's all here, why wouldn't it have a spirit? Why wouldn't the mountain have a spirit? Why wouldn't the air have a spirit? Why wouldn't you know, the plants and the animals have a spirit? To say that these are all, all, all dead things or, or there's nothing to them other than their genetic material never made any sense to me at all. The, in, the, in the Creek cosmology, uh, Ibofunga, is the creative energy or creative force of the whole world. Okay. Um, and it's, uh, it's a nondescript non energy. It's not described as male nor female nor given any characteristics whatsoever ever, ever, other than being an, an energy. And then you have uh, Hesketamisi, who is the master of breath, and that's kind of like the assistant to, um, to Abafunga. Okay. And that's the one that... Um, is more um, that would be the the spirit that you would pray to. Okay, it's like the uh, it's like the trilogy. I like got the Holy Spirit. We got Jesus. You know, it was, yeah, it's like a liaison. It's, yeah. it's got some similarities, but it's still different. Yeah, and then you have uh, the four different other elemental spirits, uh, which are uh, earth, wind, fire, and water. Mm -hmm. and as we were talking about, without those things, you 
you know, there is no existence. Yeah. Interesting. I want to change the subject a little bit here. It's 840 here on our Action Radio show. So action is if you want to take some action and, and help out the, the Creek tribe or if you think you are maybe part of it or any Native American uh, nation, then feel free to give us a shout. We can help uh, help direct you in, in the right direction here. Phone number 850-623-1330. Um, so Dan and I sitting here chatting as we do. We never know what we're going to talk about or where we're going to go. We, uh, we, we started going on to the, the thing that's happening with the, uh, the Cleveland Indian mascot which is a, a pretty uh, insulting symbol. Again, I guess they call it Chief Wahoo, uh, and this was made up. So I thought, well, what are the, what are the Cleveland, the actual Cleveland Indians, the, the Cleveland Native Americans think of this? And so I found this uh, Facebook page, Native Americans in Cleveland, and they have a little article. And uh, I just wanted to give you a little bit of it just to, just to give you a perspective for, from, uh, from the folks that are actually there. It's like, why is it so hard for people to understand that this isn't about honoring First Nations people? And that's something I was talking about uh, is that uh, Native American as opposed to First American, because anybody that's born here to me is a Native American. That just you know, makes sense. So First Americans would be the, you know, the, the first people. Anyway, they say when the mascot was created, this is the, uh, the Cleveland uh, Indian, it says the general public thought we no longer existed. They thought that we, they had wiped us out, killed us off. The mascot's red skin, hooked nose, and buck-tooth grin are a constant reminder that the general population doesn't see us as people, but as a novelty, an oddity, why you know, we try so hard to educate people about our rich and beautiful culture and are met with ridiculous war hoops. Does that kind of sum it up? That puts it right where it belongs. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the article goes on. I think I, I might uh, post this to uh, either our WEBY Facebook page or our Creek Tribe. And the Creek Tribe have a Facebook page, too. You should, you should talk about that, and I'll get, uh, we've got a call coming in. You want to say about our Facebook page? Any, any uh, we do on? have a Facebook page, San Rosa, the Santa Rosa County Creek Indian Tribe. We also have a website, which is org. And if you would like to contact our, our tribe, uh, there's a contact button on there, and it will put you to council at org. And uh, you can email us at that address. Huge amount of information on that, on that uh, website as well. Let's get to Carl. Good morning, Carl. Hey, good morning. What you got for us today? Uh, great show. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate the guest this morning. Um, I uh, wanted to ask or talk about um, <clears throat> that. How do Christians and and uh, say the Creek Indians or any tribe of Indians relate? Do you see barriers in our faith? And, and the reason I'm asking is, to me, I don't really see Christians have all kind of different perspectives they come from, right? Mm-hmm. But and I find scripture in the Bible, like in I believe it's Acts chapter 17, it talk, where Paul's talking to people from other cultures, and he talks about a universal God. He says uh, basically, your poets talk about a God in in whom we uh, live and breathe and have our being. So, are there commonalities between the Christian religions that can bring us together rather than divide us? Yeah. Uh, The European missionaries, um, the Creek Indians in particular in the southeast, uh, because of the cosmology that I just shared just a moment ago about Ibafunga and Hegedemisi, they saw that. They they readily accepted the the Christian religion, and there are um, many, many, many uh, Native Americans who are are Christians, 
And uh, one of the things that helped save uh, a lot of the Native Americans was the embracing of the Christian religion that the missionaries shared. And that was one of the things that the government deemed, uh, especially the Creek Indians, to be a one of the five civilized tribes. I was and just going to ask you about that. Too. I think no to myself. <laughs> so you was, should go into that. Yeah. So it was based on uh, on their willingness to accept the um, the European uh, view of religion, which uh, Hegedemisi is translates into master of breath, and I think that that's pretty close uh, to what you would you would read in the Bible. Uh, about uh, the master of breath there. So it was uh, maybe just a little twist on words, uh, the, uh, terminology that we used, but uh, the overall uh, concept of a, of a one um, supreme uh, creator, and um, you know the, the Indians just didn't have a problem with that. And like I said, they're actually uh, early on developed uh, Native American churches. Interesting. Yeah, Carl? yeah. I, I find that world religions, uh, and I'm, that's a broad net, but there are a lot of commonalities in these religions, like you're talking about one creator God, uh, and that if we can sort of uh, moderate, uh, maybe in the Christian religion, some of the doctrines that were given us after Christ came through the Romans and Greeks and different things, that we can actually start uh, finding this. Uh, the Bible talks about God, the Father of all. And uh, so, you know, I think we need to seek things that we can that we can communicate with, on and come to some sort, instead of always looking for the dividing yeah. Uh, line. Yeah, there is... Uh... By the way, human sacrifice, uh, you go back to the Jews, they were the king of that at one time. Now, that wasn't in God's perfect will. So I'd say if the Native Americans ever did it, that might not have been in uh the will of, of their father spirit. You yeah. know. I don't I don't I have never and I'm not saying it's not there because there's so much of the Native American culture and history that we're still uncovering and uh I'm not saying it was it was not there, but the only place that I've ever heard of the uh sacrifice was down in the the Mexico, the Aztecs. Yeah. yeah. I, I've never heard of it in uh the North American region. But if you read uh world his religious history and it's all across Europe, uh the Middle East, uh it it's a common thing. Yeah. And and to speak well of the human race is that uh, we've pretty much come out of that, and I hope we stay out of that, you know. Yeah, so. I, I got a question for you, Carl, because mm-hmm. in, in Christianity, I think, uh, the, the old, well, maybe this is, this is different. The Old Testament talks about uh, people having dominion over the animals and dominion over, uh, and I think for a long time people use that as an excuse to say dominion over Native or Indigenous people. Do you, do you see that? As uh, as a different view, or maybe a little incompatible with with now that uh, you know all of us being uh, you know creatures of God. So how do, how does well, that square? Well, you really have to be careful when you're using the words that we use today in the Bible, because a lot of the translations, dominion might not have meant what we understand it to mean today. Hmm, dominion was big in the in you know uh, Middle Ages and in England. Okay. So. 
uh, you really need to go back and look at the Greek and Hebrew translations and what those words meant originally in, in the lexicon of, of their era uh, and see exactly what. Because you can see some... <laughs> uh, anyway, I'll just leave it at that. Okay. You, you really need to look at that at, and be be inquisitive about those words. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Dr. Strong's Concordance is uh, basically the Bible of the lexicon that you can use to uh, look those words up okay. and see how they were used in other in other uh, situations. Okay. You know. do, do you have uh, a, another Cree question or? or uh... No, that, that's it. I, I appreciate okay. it. It's a really interesting uh, topic to me. To me, I will always learn. I'm, I've never come to my full level of understanding. You that's know, the idea. So I Thanks. appreciate that. Thanks, Carl. Here we go. So, Dan, you had a, a point to make? Or? I do. Uh, he had a very good point about the words and how yeah. the words change. Um, the One of the issues with the Native Americans is the language is going away. Uh, in fact, the Muscogee language, less than 1% of the known uh, Native American Muscogee uh, are fluent in the Muscogee language. And that's one of the things that we're going to be doing in our Native American Cultural Center is having a language program where anyone would be uh, welcome to come in and learn the Muscogee language. Okay. I want to hold you a thought. We can continue this. We've got to take a quick break, and then we'll be, uh, be right back here with our Creek Show uh, for this month on 1330 WEBY, Northwest Florida's Talk Radio. Greg Penglis here with the Action Radio Hour. And I want to hear more about this when we get back. Never tell him this man is serious. Is that Hawaiian? Hang on loosely. Special. So it's the last of our, our uh, you know, last few minutes of our, our Creek uh, Tribe show here with uh, Vice Chief Dan Helms, known as Skyhorse, and me as, as Sky Talker, which you can address me as pretty much any time, uh, but especially during this hour. 1330 WEBY, Northwest Florida's talk radio. And Dan uh, Skyhorse had used the word cosmology a bunch of times. I thought, what is this word? He used like 16 times on my show here. So apparently it's a Greek word, and I can't pronounce the Greek, even though I'm part Greek. Uh, as my ancestry, saying the study of the origin, evolution, and eventual fate of the universe. So it's kind of like the uh, whatever ties us all together. So exactly. there we go. Yeah, Harmony. Yeah, harmony. <laughs> well, I mean, the harmony makes sense. And again, I made the point, I, think, I don't know if I made this on the air or off, that uh, you know, the United States was a country that believed in, in peace and harmony too, right up until you know, Pearl Harbor. You know, so things will change you. They, events will change. Things that you don't expect are going to, you know, you can be as peaceful and harmonious as you like, but when the fist is coming towards your nose, you know, the options are, you know, take it or not. Or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and of course, if I can get Christian for a second, you know, the idea of turning the other cheek only works once. Because you know, after that, you're out of cheeks. And so it's a great philosophy, And but I wonder if there's a limitation there. How many people have I just offended, do you think? <laughs> That's hard to know. So more language. You have some more language news. Well, I want to talk about the word shamukla. Okay. And uh, we have, uh, within the last couple of weeks, uh, Dr. Brian Rucker, who is a professor at uh, uh, Pensacola State College, uh-huh. And Vic Campbell, who's up in Shemukla, and he's a somewhat of a historian of the area. And uh, we got into, it had never occurred to me before, because I've heard Shemukla all my life, as to what the word actually meant. Your curiosity knows no bounds. (laughs) And uh, so 
the um, I got into the uh, Muskogee uh, English Dictionary that, that, that has the translation, and uh, for all my life I had been told that Shemuckla meant healing waters. Sounds nice, and you can, and it is. It's a very nice thing. It's just not what it means. Oh, uh, and so we we've, we've come to uh, find out that the healing waters came from a uh, advertising promotion that was done in the early 1900s for the <laughs> Shemukla Springs. Okay. Uh, Shemukla Springs is a mineral water. In fact, it's, uh, some of the springs up there are called mineral springs. And they actually bottled, had a bottling plant up there, and bottled this uh, health water, mineral water, and it went all over, the, all over the United States. It actually would put it on trains and ship it out. And, the, uh, so the, and they had a hotel up there. And hotel Shemukla? It was the Shabakla Hotel. Okay, there you yeah. go. Yeah, and uh, because uh, and it was at the springs, and people would go there for the health benefit of the springs. The spa, the yeah, it's like, it's like the mud baths the in Napa, runner, the, or the forerunner of the resort spa, or the geysers where they have these, these hot pools that people sit in for the natural mineral benefits. This is great. Take the so water. the um, so the the promotional thing called said Shemukla was the Indian word for healing waters, not. Is it even close? <laughs> no. Uh, okay. The, uh, Don't keep us in suspense too long. <laughs> okay. The word shamukla actually means bow head to the ground. Oh, great! It was uh, it was a den- uh, denoted a place of reverence. Oh, okay. Now, any uh, water feature like a waterfall or a spring or a lake, those are all sacred. To the Native Americans, okay, because and that goes Especially back the to the creek who were by the creek, well, you know, literally where it came yeah. from, yeah. And uh, but that goes back to the creation story of of how the the earth came to be in the in the Native American creation story, and I'll go into that another time. Yeah, because we're only done. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost like Shemukla is the equivalent of genuflect or, mm-hmm. or or something like that yeah. to, to to bow with reverence yeah. or, or you know yeah. Okay. And that name has actually appeared uh, ever since the time that the the Spanish had first gotten here before the Europeans even got down to this part of the country. We have to, to do more with words. In fact, we were trying to find the meaning of Chattahoochee while we were here, which uh, Ada played the song for earlier, denoting the time zone difference, you know, where we are and, and stuff. So now i got the reference on that. So uh, that's kind of fun. So all these things we have to look up. Better give the contact information again because we're almost out of time. SantaRosaCreekTribe.org and look for us on Facebook, the Santa Rosa County Creek Indian Tribe. Yep, and we've got the Cultural Center will be developed this spring and all kinds of exciting things will happen. Okay, there it was in 2018, and a whole lot's happened since then. It's now the Santa Rosa Creek Band. Uh, you'll find them on Facebook under Santa Rosa Creek Band. Uh, I'm not sure what the website is, but it's on the Facebook page. And so uh, uh, then Vice Chief uh, Dan Helms is now Chief uh, Dan Skyhorse. That's how I address him now. And so he got a promotion, as he says, because nobody else wanted the job. So uh, so that's how that works. So I'm going to try and get him back here before the Creek Fest, but we'll see what we can do. All right, Panky's going to join us in just a couple minutes here. Uh, he's still on the line, and uh, he has uh, some very interesting and very different information than I've heard. And so I'm very curious to give him a chance to, to tell the, uh, uh, the, the whole story of what's going on with Israel-Palestine and, and ancient history and how it all kind of ties together. A couple of announcements, and then I'll uh, bring on Pianchi. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive. 
conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grace Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gracecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. All right, let's get back in uh, news mode here. Uh, feel free to come back on the line now, um, and uh, let's let's, uh, let's get some stuff here because you said a lot of things that are new to me, uh, especially about the uh, the entire Israel um, Palestine uh, Palestinian situation uh, and a whole bunch of stuff that uh, I had never heard before. And so, uh, hopefully, you're back. Are you back? We got you here. You know, another thing that needs to be huh. talked. You sure. were talking to Chief uh, Dan mm-hmm. is about the Black Seminoles. Hmm. Tell me. That was in the Seminole Wars in 1817, 1818 with Andrew Jackson. See, you had black slaves that escaped down into Florida early on, Mm -hmm. and they set up settlements. And even when Florida was controlled by Spanish, Spanish allowed them to live there at Fort Moses. They're just a little bit north of St. Augustine. And in the first Seminole War, you had generals reported back and say, these are Negroes we are fighting. These are not Indians. Hmm. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I remember that uh, Dan talked about something similar to that when, uh, um, when the, the I think it was the Trail of Tears, the, the Great Marches, and, and for the creek to survive, you know, if they were lighter skinned, they, they passed themselves off as white, and if they were darker skinned, they passed themselves off as black, because that was better than being um, American Indian, better than being Creek. And so there's some really interesting history that doesn't get a whole lot of talking about, which is why I like to talk about it here. And so uh, this would be something that would be interesting for you to report on is that, you know, black history of, you know, the, the sort of like the intertwining, the interworking uh, uh, of uh, black Americans and uh, American Indians. It'd be interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, curious. The United States paid uh, with Seminole tribe mm-hmm. like $46 million, and they did not want to, and still to the day don't want to recognize the black Seminoles. Black, the African. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> I got to get you and uh, you do you and Dan on the show together again. That would be an interesting topic. Yeah, we should come back. Like I say, we used to do a half hour report for for a long time. In fact, just to put us, uh, I don't know if people have heard the um, the theme. I haven't played it for a long time. Let's see if I can find it here real quick. I probably should have done this before the uh, report. But we had a, a chief, uh, um, uh, a Creek chief, actually made this for us. And so let me see if I can find Dan, 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 with a D. I, mean, I forgot where I put this. Oh, here we go. So let me just play this for a second, then we'll get into uh, uh, your stuff. The drum. Heartbeat of the Creek people. Like the first heartbeat you hear before you were born. Like the heartbeat of the living spirit in all things. Join us each week at this time as we explore issues and topics important to the Santa Rosa Creek tribe and American Indians across this great country. Join in as we enter the world of the Creek tribe and see the world as they do through the eyes of Chief Dan Skyhorse, or in the Muscogee language, Chothloko Suta Miko. So what I think I'll do is I'll play that when I make the Creek, uh, Creek Fest announcements, which will be up through November. And then, of course, I'm going to make another uh, uh, announcement for us for our uh, Citizen Legislation Day, January 7th. But anyway, back to you. Let's, let's talk about uh, um, the whole situation uh, in Israel. And uh, tell me what, uh, what, what's your take, what's your knowledge. What, let's go, I mean, go back ancient history, start wherever you want, and let's, uh, let's, let's hear all about it. Well, see, the problem comes in when people try to mix Bible stories and myths with real history, and they leave out the real history. And see, in Christianity, Christianity set the, the beginning of the earth 6,000 years B.C., and they don't want to go back further than that. But uh, history goes back further than 6,000 B.C. It goes back further than the Ottoman and so on and so on. That land was – there was no whites in that land at that time. Mm-hmm. That land was controlled – by non-whites, to say. And see, uh, even if you look at the Bible story, with uh, I hear people always talk about Noah's three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. 
Japheth was white people, Ham was black people, and Shem was, uh, you know, Asian. But literally, that's totally impossible biologically. But uh, in the Ham story, which was basically created at the Council of Jamia, Jamia is uh, east upwards of where uh, Palestine is. It's a city. Mm-hmm. And it was created where uh, Noah's son, Cana, was cursed. And he was, because he looked upon his father's nakedness, and some say he castrated his father because his father said that he wouldn't be able to have his fourth son. Uh, he was cursed. And he was cursed black. Uh, his lips was to be big and his eyes was to be red. His hair was to be kinky. So if that was the case, then Canaan was a black nation at that time. Yeah. Huh. Well, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, at what point were, what was the first ancient white civilization, for example, the, the Caucasian people from the Caucasus Mountains? You know, was it the Abyssinians, the Babylonians, the Carthaginians, the Romans, the Greeks? You know, which, where did white people sort of enter in history? I, mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. I might have to look this one up myself. I'm just, uh, uh, from, your, from your knowledge of ancient history, what were some of these nations, like the, the, the Babylonians? And let's, let's go way back. And I, I got to do a little timeline, so I have something, I have some kind of structure to this in my head. But uh, which was the first white ancient society? Well, you know, even the first Greek word, uh, when Greek was city-states, this, those city-states were still black. That's why come they had uh, what they call black Athena, Athena, hmm. which would have been, I guess, the capital of Greece at that time. But uh, Oh, yeah, Athens. Yeah, it makes sense. Now, I don't, I've never thought of, of, of Greeks as black. That would be, that would be new to me because it, it, it's a European, you know, country. And so that Greeks would that went would to be school in Egypt. They didn't have no schools. Okay. Hebrews didn't have no schools. The schools, uh-huh. the major schools, was see all that happening was in Egypt, and those people came down the Nile River. Nile River flows from uh, Central Africa down to the low point there in the Mediterranean, where it empties. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the Nile Delta, which is amazingly fertile. And that's like, now uh, that was more, amazingly yeah. fertile, absolutely, yeah. because the silk and that come from. Mm-hmm. The cold journey of the white now and the blue now, and it uh, it provides a major uh, essence for the agriculture that was being produced in those areas. Yeah. And it was and Palestine. Else? It always has been a Palestine. Palestinian people. Uh, even in the Bible, it said that Abraham sojourned in the Philistines' land many days. Now that's a story. But that's giving recognition that uh, those those people was always there. The so people we have there now is uh, yeah. like Helen Thomas said, they're from Germany, Poland, and also the United States. You had the same thing with with whites getting into uh, the Indian tribe. That's where the term white. That's where the term five dollar Indian came from. What's a five dollar Indian? I'm not familiar with the white with term. White person pretending to be an Indian. Oh, uh, Elizabeth Warren <laughs> comes to mind. 
you know, Pocahontas. That's interesting. Um, so, so I'm curious now. Now, from what I, I remember re- when I did research for my article on education, one of the centers of learning of the world was Alexandria, uh, with the library there, which was destroyed, I think, by the Romans. And but it was a fabulous center of learning. So the the Muslim world was like one of the the centers of learning. I mean, this is even before that. But uh, Alexandria, the, the the you know the knowledge that was gained from that area that was that was the center of civilization at one point. So I have to get a straight Well, Alexander which, the Great was supposedly had destroyed in libraries. The center oh, okay. of learning was at uh, the university there that was in Luxor called Ifit Asut, which, how, which had as many as 80,000 students at one time. Wow. Uh, the learning math, you went there for 20 years. Pythagoras uh, went there to learn. Pythagoras hmm. is not the father of math, by the way. Math was being taught long before Pythagoras. Well, let's take a look at our numbers. You know, uh, we call it the, the the Arabic number system or or Arabic numerals, and it's interesting how they're all based on angles. You know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, zero. Uh, I guess zero came last, but uh, that's the one that's, that's different than all the other ones, which is interesting because the other ones are all based on angles. You know, one has like one angle, two has two angles. <laughs> you know, and it, it's a fascinating study. But but the the uh, the, the numbers come from Middle East. That's where numbers were developed. That's where all so so it makes sense. Well, they, math used, they, had to, they had to have math in order to build pyramids, right? Mm-hmm. Now, are yeah. pyramids Pythagorean uh, or not? Pythagoras talked about a right triangle. I mean, if you remember the Pythagorean theorem, you know the the sum of the square of two sides uh, is the sum of the, the hypotenuse. I forgot what it. Anyway, the point it, is, it's a right it's a right triangle, right? Well, right yeah, it's called three, four, five. Right. But the pyramids are not based on right triangles because the square the the pyramids are, are a square base. Well, the base of them uh, excuse the noise. Okay. Well, yeah, they was using right triangles at that time. They had to use right triangles at that time in order to square the stones up that was used. Oh, that's in the true. Pyramid. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. Uh, so when you say there's always been uh, a, a house in, and it's interesting that as you, when I see Israel, I think of it as a religious country based on those that are Jewish. And if, but you're saying it's more of a, of a skin color um, basis. In other words, we had, uh, I guess, black Middle Easterns uh, folks, but where, where did the Arab, the Arabs are sort of like a middle kind of, uh, if we're, if we're going to go by skin, color. they're not, like they're not white, they're not black. What's yeah, that? it was sort of like the they they was wanderers. Uh, you had the, even the language, Arab language is an African language. It's okay. one of the languages technically, but it is not because the land was always connected there. There was no Suez Canal. <laughs> yeah, that came later. But even that's not that big. Can you look across that? That's just the width of a, of a couple of ships. <laughs> it's not that big. Yeah. So, no. What you have is occupation. Even when people do the description talking about a British protector, a British mandate, well, that right there should raise eyebrows. What the mm-hmm. heck is Britain doing uh, putting that type of influence on those people? Well, they've done it like they've done throughout the rest of uh, their, their domain where the sun never sat, sat on a British flag. And it was Congress yeah, trying to exactly. control everything. Yeah, from India to Australia to uh, England. I mean, it's interesting that the Middle East is the is the Middle East from England. The Far East, Asia, is the Far East from England. So England, kind of, you know, we're still defining terms. But what was it before? Before before the the British, before the French, before uh, any European uh, power or people got to this area, what was it? 
Well, in the dominant days, it was controlled by Egypt. Okay. The Egyptian uh, wasn't kings; they were sultans. This is what they called them, and they was controlled by dynasties from the first okay. dynasty on down to the last heyday of what you call the Black Kings was the twenty fifth dynasty. So what kind of time so period? They were controlled by, and these dynasties, these, these leaders came from the south. They hmm. came from what's now called Northern Sudan. They're at Abel Symbol. They're there at Abel Symbol, which is a in Aswan. It's a it's a big monument that uh, they had to move the uh, monuments of the statues that was there during the creation of Lake Nasser, and it was a project taken on by the United Nations, UNESCO, which is the educational fund, where they actually moved things to a higher elevation. If not, they would have got flooded by the land. But uh, what was going on is that when you come out of the Sudan into that area, you got mm-hmm. these great big statues, which was the statues of Rameshu, Ramesses. And his name is Ursa Ma'ad Reisip Tepera Rameshu Mary Amen. And what that told people, you are entering into my land. Hmm. So what what time period was was Egypt? I mean, how, how far back do these dynasties go? I, I've never believed the 6,000-year theory because I know Asian uh, society is at least 7,000 years, Japan, Korea, and China. Um, Creek society goes back anywhere from 40 to 60,000 years, depending on who you talk to. Uh, and so, and the earth is billions of years old, you know, I mean, that carbon dating shows that, you know, so, so I, I'm not uh, so strict in my belief that, uh, but I still believe that the, you know, there is a force, you know, an, you know, an energy, a, a God that, that, you know, holds us all together. Otherwise, uh, you know, something that I don't understand. Otherwise, you know, the electrons would all fall into each other and the universe would collapse. So that, that part I do understand. But as far as the timing goes, so, so Egypt was, you know, if we could put Egypt, um, Greece, and where else would we do? I guess Carthage was there too, and Rome. Egypt, Greece, and Rome. So in terms of when they were at their peak or how long history lasted, do you have that handy? Do you have that information? As to when was the Egyptian Egypt, Empire? It, it, well, it wasn't called Egypt because Egypt is a word that comes from Egypticos, which means burnt face. That was okay. a description of the people in this landmass. So but like Redskin? The, it sounds like Redskin for Indians, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. the country has been uh, translated to be called, with pictograph, which they call hieroglyphs. Uh, right. Those people call it the meta-nature, which means holy words. Mm-hmm. They go back a long time. The landmass has been described to be called Kemet. Not Africa. Kemet. Hmm. So, so you have monuments what are we there, talking like, about? for instance. Like 10,000 well, years B.C., like 5,000? When was this? No. Not you have, uh, you got monuments there, right there. Uh, it's a car, like uh, what they call the Sphinx. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the Sphinx. It was Haram Aket, meaning Haru of the Horizon. They say that that goes back at least 15,000 years or more. Because of water fissures that have been discovered in the monument, which hmm. is relevant of the last time it ever rained in that area. And I can attest to that because I have been in the homes of Nubians there in Aswan along the Nile River. 
and you go into their living room, and the living room is open to the sky because it never rained. And they never heard any thunder until they put in the high water dam, Lake Nasser, which created climatic conditions that would cause thunder. It scared the hell out of people. Local weather. It's it's like the Great Lakes, you know, the snow uh, south of the Great Lakes, the lake effect, they call it. It's huge because the water evaporates and it gets dumped on Buffalo. Uh, and yeah. Erie and, and other places, Erie, Pennsylvania, places like that. Yeah. So that actually, that's interesting. So, so we can't affect the climate. It's certainly the, the microclimate. So when Egypt, you know, well, let's go way back when, um, Kemet, uh, what, what was the condition of the Sahara at that point? Was it greener? I mean, was the Nile Delta bigger? What, did, what was the land like? Well, I've seen some, I've seen some carvings at one of the temples where it showed uh, rock carvings, and see, one thing, too, about Egypt, uh, they have recorded history, not word of mouth, but not griot tales. They have recorded history the best that there is, and you can still see that today, the carvings and the rocks. You can go in the West Bank and go down into some of these tombs, and it is the most a beautiful display of artwork and that you could ever want to see. Now, I've been into Menkepera to Hudi Mays or Tuckmosis III's tomb. You have mm-hmm. to go up the side of a mountain. Of course, the tourists, uh, the people who control the tourists have made it convenient with stairs. But then once you go up the side of the mountain, there in Aswan, across uh, the river, mm-hmm. then you go down into the tunnel, and you come out into these rooms, and these rooms have picture paintings on the walls that tell stories as if they was painted yesterday. And I always remember, because I was able to take pictures because I could slip the attendant there a few dollars. <laughs> and I've and you didn't use a flash, though, right? With, you, you, you didn't use a flash, did you? I mean, nobody knew you were doing it. You couldn't use no flash, no. Right, yeah. couldn't use no flash because it caused damage. But right. uh, I remember some writing on the wall, and I've also seen this in Papyrus, where you have text, and the text will be lined in black print, then all of a sudden it turns red. Well, when it turns red, that's the time when Ammon is speaking. Well, you see oh. it in Bibles. When they turn red, that's the time when God's supposed to be speaking. Mm-hmm. The life of Haru and the life of the 16 crucified saviors now they have identified up to 25, is parallel with his life. You know, like he said, Newt Pook Newt, which means I am that I am. Right. Peru was the child in the Holy Trinity. The earliest form of a trinity was Peru the child, Asar his father, who the Greeks called Osiris, and his mother, Aset, who the Greeks called Isis. That was the Holy Trinity. And you had another uh, icon that was put in the Holy Trinity that you can see down in Aswan at Ursa Ma'at Reset Tepenrath's tomb. And he built one for his wife next to it. And I'm talking about these these statues are like four foot tall that sit on either side. It was made in honor of her and Akkut, which was another god. But the you got Heru, his father, Asar, his mother, 
Hafset, and you got the you got Amon, and I think one of them has Patah. Patah was the, the, the uh, created the universe, so they say he created the lesser gods. And in, in many passages of what he was supposed to spoke, he spoke that when I came into existence, existence itself came into existence. Okay. No That's one else had ever There's said that. There was nothing before, yeah. It's like a, the God created yeah. the heavens and the earth, yeah. There, there was, the earth was without form and void, yeah. So it's, this is very, the parallels are fascinating. So when, so the, now this is pre-Muhammad, this is pre-Muslim. We're talking thousands of years ago. And so, so the people that were, were there borders, boundaries? I mean, how did they define what we now know from, say, Egypt to Jordan, Syria? And I'll get to the Persians in a little bit. That's their ancient society. But, uh, but the, the, what we know is the Middle East from, say, Jordan to Egypt. Before there were countries, before there buffers. were Muslims, who was there? We're talking about these. These were Egypt Egyptians. Egypt had right? its buffers. You had people. It fought off invasions, one by the Hiskos. Okay. Then the other about the Hittites. The Hittites were uh, today present uh, Turkey. Hmm. Uh, the so battle how, of the Hittites uh, was at the Aronis River. The Aronis River exists today. Uh, uh, Ramesu took four divisions to fight the Turkish. Each division was named after they got Amun, Ra, Ptah, and I always forget the fourth one. At least 10,000. Yeah. Men each. Yeah, because yeah, divisions either ten thousand or twenty thousand, depending on how you count them. I think it's twenty thousand today. But you know, these mm-hmm. ancient battles, people think of. You know, people don't realize that the scale of war in the in the nineteen hundreds uh, so far exceeded the scale of war in the ancient history. Ten thousand people was a huge battle. You know, ten thousand yeah, people in World provide, War. Uh, yeah, they had to provide a supply route in order to feed the soldiers. I mean, that was right. uh, at that time was a, a miraculous thing. And before him, you had Tuckmosis the Third, whose throne name. See, they had throne names: uh, Menkepera, Tuhuti Maid, uh, Ramesses, uh, Ursama, Rasef, Tepera, Rameshu, Mary, Amen. Rameshu means that he was born of God. Mary, Amen. He was loved by Amen, which you say at the end of your prayers. Uh, Ursa Ma'at, the power of Ma'at, truth, justice, and righteousness. Um, Sephiroth, he was the chosen by God. Chosen by God. That's where you get the whole concept of being the chosen one. Right. Oh, where'd you go? I'm here. Okay, I see that. Yeah, I mean, it it makes sense. I want to fast forward a little bit, but what I'd love you to do, if you if you if you're interested, um, is I'd love to have a, like an ancient history report, like like pick, you know, uh, a civilization, you know, like say the Babylonians, the uh, Assyrians, the the Carthaginians, you know, I just spend a, uh, spend a, an hour on each. Uh, Thursday would be a good day to do it. Um, just you know, pick whichever group you're interested in or, or, but I like to do one at a time and really get some detailed history because ancient history is something that I'm woefully um, undereducated on. And I'd love for, that would help me tremendously, but I think it would also help people listening too to get some perspective. The ancient history, this entire world that people don't know about, history did not start 
you know, in 1928 or, you know, pick a year. This has been going on for a long, long time. And especially in, in this particular part of the world that goes way back to the beginning, you know, Iraq, Mesopotamia, the Tigris and Euphrates, you know, the cradle of civilization. We haven't talked about them yet. Uh, the British created Iraq out of nothing. It was, those lines are completely arbitrary. You got Kurds, you got Shiites, and you got Sunnis. You can't put them all together in a country called Iraq and expect things to go well. It's not going to happen any more than you can split well, no, North Vietnam like and North Korea. Go ahead. These wars going on today, you're not going to defeat those people. Those people are always going to fight. Uh, the Jews you have there today are occupiers. They are not from that part. You got a case in point. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the decisions of of, of a uh, land for for them was going to be Uganda. Well, that that's way down in Africa. Funny. That's that's a lot further down. That's not even in the area. That's, that's in Central Africa. Yes, Uganda. Right. Well, was, imagine a bunch of whites coming back to Uganda talking about I'm back. You know, I made joke of that the other day. That, <laughs> that, was, that was not going to happen. That was hysterical. Yeah. Okay. So let's so let's let's talk practically for a couple minutes here. So. Um, if the, you know, like I say, we've got a dispute going. Wendy explained it as you know, the Ishmael followers became the, the Muslim world, and the Isaac followers became the Jewish world, and it goes back to Abraham. And I know you disputed that. I want to talk about that in a minute because that's really interesting. My, but in, in a practical uh, aspect, the, the, the Muslim world, the Middle Eastern world is huge. Israel is the size of New Jersey, and even then it's got cutouts. So – you know, I, I don't. I I believe in Israel as a Jewish homeland, uh, and I'm I'm happy with that. I mean, yeah, it may not be exactly biblical. Yeah, it may not be exactly the way things worked out. But look at this country too. I don't I don't think we're going to give up the United States and turn it back to American Indians. You know, so given the situation now, given that you've got huge countries around Israel, where Arabs, Palestinians, Muslims, different folks, you know, descendants of the Ottomans, you know, the Egyptians, the Greeks, anybody else that is there, you've still you've got Turkey. You know, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, all these different countries. And the Jews only have one little place, Israel. And so to me, just in a practical aspect, having a a Jewish state of Israel that would include Gaza, the West Bank, and the Golan Heights to the north is not a big deal. That that to me makes no sense. Well, it is a big deal because you're in somebody else's land. Yeah, I know. That's what it is. Yeah, and and this is like the Ethiopians. Okay. Just like the Ethiopians, the Ethiopians that's in Gondor, Ethiopia, right uh-huh. now. I've been there. Their their religious their religious text is the first five books. They never call that Old Testament. They don't respect. They don't even have no New Testament. So what do you find in New Testament? Your latest Godhead, which was created. It was a created creature that came out of Seraphis. Seraphis was the image that Ptolemy the One wanted to be made a god figure because that's what Egypt had. He tried to get the Coptics to make him a godhead, mm-hmm. and that godhead image was Seraphis, which eventually turned into your godhead image of Jesus. Yeah, you're gonna have to explain that. I'd love to see uh, some some pictures, articles, because that's that's a fascinating story. So, so Jesus to you is what exactly? He was a created creature at the Council of Nicaea, where the argument was with Arius, who was a Coptic, and Anasius. They were the ones that was arguing against Constantine. Well, Constantine was like 600 A.D. Well, Constantine was before was after Jesus by like several hundred years. Was about 325 A.D. Uh, okay. Alexander was about three. 
30 B.C. Egypt was invaded by the Assyrians, the Persians, the Greeks, then the, the Romans. Yeah, see, like I said, this is and this that is was at, at that point in time, Egypt was, you know, the, the, the last highlight of Egypt when you had your black kings, the 25th dynasty. Mm-hmm. You had the 18th and the 19th when a, a lot of building was going on. And they had intermediate periods when they were warring. The earliest war was, was with the Hitzkos. And uh, like I said, they just... It, they fought the Hiscos. You had Nama who tried to get the South and the North because the the South was basically Sudanese. They didn't like the North because the North was mixed. It was mixed people. And they weren't mixed with whites. They was mixed with different Asian specimens. Their God was against mixing. See, one thing then, people then respected their God image. Their God, Amun, was against mixing. Matter of fact, the first time of an immaculate conception was that of Hatshepsut of the 18th dynasty. Her mother was impregnated, as the story goes. Mm-hmm. You can see this story there on the West Bank at her temple, off to the right before you go up the last set of stairs into that part which is dedicated for Hathor, which was the cow goddess. You can see the story today. Well, Amun came and impregnated her mother because he wanted to have a pure solar child. It was also talked about her sending an expedition to Punt. Punt was not Libya. Punt was present-day Somali. You don't take boats to go to Libya. You ride camels. To get back to Somalia, you have to go up the Nile River, and you need sails because you, the wind blows up the river in the daytime. And you see pictures of boats headed to Spunt with sails floating on the Nile River. Hmm. So where do these countries come from? So, so the modern boundaries you have for Egypt, Libya, uh, Algeria, Morocco, uh, Somalia, Ethiopia, Saudi Arabia, how did they all come about? Were they all separate and distinct the way it happened or... And when did this happen, roughly? When did these countries become what, how we know them Well, today? a lot of that came about, those boundaries came about with the, the Berlin Conference and, and I think Versailles. You know, we had white nations come to them and sit at the table and carve up Africa. It was yeah. no blacks sitting at the table. Yeah. It's just like this thing about the Belfort grievance. You know, Hitler paid a part in that, too, huh. uh, with uh, creating uh, a homeland for the Jews. Well, there, there is a, there is a, you know, if there's a supremacy, Europeans believe that uh, they should run the world. You know, it's really interesting. Sorry, Marco. <laughs> Even the Dutch had uh, the Dutch East Indies and uh, some other things. Yeah, the whole idea of colonizing. I'm looking at a map right now. I've got uh, Algeria, Libya. We've got Egypt, Saudi Arabia. These are big countries. Sudan right below uh, Egypt. We've got Oman, Yemen, Iran, which is Persia. How about the Persians? How do they fit into this? The Persian was invaders, invaders too. Persian, Cleopatra the Seventh was Persian. Okay. The last Cleopatra, she was Persian. She was not black like some people want to claim it. She was Persian. Huh. And Persian so here's the question. Had on the thrones in Egypt too yeah. during conquering period. 
Yeah, I'd love to take these uh, these civilizations. You know, like I say, we got a rack in here too. Uh, if you want to do this, I mean, obviously your option. But I'd love to 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 spend an hour each week on an ancient civilization and really go over it. And let's look, expand our knowledge here, and it'll probably make sense as to how the world was created today. Uh, we can talk about India. We can talk about some of these other countries like Kazakhstan. You know, Mongolia. I mean, all these things, all these fascinating places that I've never been to yet. Hopefully, well, I, don't, I can't see going to Iran anytime soon. But some yeah, of these other places, you know, very it's like. Uh... Uh-huh. You call the Native Americans. You had you had uh, you had influxes of them, but the ones that came across the Bering Strait, the day after they came, they were Asians. They were not Indians. Right. But after they stayed in a place for a given number of centuries, probably, <laughs> then they changed, mm-hmm. and they became who they are today. Well, it's, and uh, also you had those that was down in South America, the uh, Mayan, or uh, direct. Uh, descendants to the creek. Well, I was just going to say that. Yeah, it's like the two branches. If you look at this country, you know, Navajo would have been the land bridge um, over from Bering uh, Sea. You got the Inuit who stayed up north. Uh, you got the Athabascans. I've been to Alaska. The Athabascans are the native folks south of the Inuit. A lot nicer climate. You know, Juneau, you know, uh, things like that. But uh, Fairbanks and above is the Inuit. Uh, they're in the worst possible place. But these folks, you know, but the Navajo have a lot in common. The Navajo in the Midwest, I mean, in the Southwest, have a lot of it in common with the Athabascans and the uh, the Inuits because they came through the land bridge. So there's a whole branch of our country, uh, you know, what we call American Indians, for lack of a better term, uh, that came from the land bridge. But the other big branch came from south, the Aztecs, the Mayans, these ancient, ancient civilizations, which would have made sense because, you know, the Rice Age is going on, right? I mean, this, there, the, you know, 50,000, 60,000 years ago, we were an ice age. So it made sense that the, only, the, the biggest civilizations were at, right at the equator, the Aztecs and the Mayans. And as things warmed up, the creek moved up, and other, the, the five tribes, the five civilized tribes, the creek, the Choctaw, the Cherokee, Cherokee the uh, uh, Chickasaw, and the Seminole, if I get those right. So those are five civilized tribes that you hear talked about. They're all southwestern American Indian tribes that came up from, you know, originally what's now Mexico. It's really quite fascinating. We have two completely different branches, and I don't know where the, the, the folks came from Canada and the northern Indians, like the Iroquois and the, uh, um, the, the Algonquins, and uh, a friend of mine for, for a long time was uh, uh, Narragansett. You know? And so all these different folks came, and then the Canadian ones, you know, um, I think Algonquin's Canada. But I don't even know where that branch of, of the Native Americans, maybe they came across the same land bridge and just kept going east. But it, it is a fascinating history. So we've got about three, we got three minutes left. So, so let's, let's talk practical solutions as we have right now. Would you, give Israel, would you, would you take a, the Jewish state of Israel and put it somewhere else? Would you keep it there? What do you do with this situation? They need to go home. They need to go home. Eventually they will do that, you know, because they can't populate. I mean, that's one of the phenomena. Why can't they populate they can't have babies. They're not having kids. They pop. They re. They. They don't have the 2.2 that it takes to maintain. 2.2 births. They. They're down about 1.4. And they're what, not going to out. They're not going to outproduce the people in that area. You know that sure. Nigeria, in, in, at the end of this century, uh, close thereabout, mm-hmm. you will be on the street and you will count people. One, mm-hmm. two. Three, four, number five would be in Nigeria hmm. because they would have the second largest population on Earth, falling behind India. They will surpass China. Well, that's interesting. Well, as long as they believe in freedom and uh, individual rights, I don't care. I don't care who has the majority population. It's, it's, it's the belief system that, that concerns me. 
And my concern is that the belief system that, that I believe, you know, came from mostly England, but also some other places in Europe, but mostly England, of, of the whole concept of individual rights, of a republic. Well, actually, I think it comes from Greece originally, but Plato's Republic is a little bit different. But the whole concept of limited government, a constitution, individual rights, and I don't care who's the majority population or, or what, what, you know, from, from what color, or what background or what religion or what anything, as long as they believe in freedom and individual rights, I'm good. So I'm fine. Well, yeah, I hear what you, I hear what you say, but if mm-hmm. someone else becomes the majority, then that dictum is going to be on them. That's the same yeah. thing it is in other parts of the world. They have their own belief system, which they're entitled to have. Yeah. You, you should get along, but don't try to change and control. And that's the whole thing about religions. You had Alexander, and you had Constantine, and seeing how uh, people was controlled by faith, which is something that they don't know, but they believe in. I mean, faith is, is, is knowing but not in believing, but you don't have no proof that it exists. When I was a kid, I had I wouldn't go in the basement because I couldn't see down there, and I was afraid. But when I no went down the basement, reached up and pulled, turned the light on, and seen there was nothing there that was going to harm me, I was cool with it then at that time. That's the way people are. They have always been that way. People have had the question, who am I, where am I, and where did I come from? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and it's interesting, the, the, the different views. And, and you know, this, what, the, the Christian world believes one thing, the, the Jewish world believes something else, the, the Muslim world, world believes something else, those who study ancient history believe something else. Uh, and, it, again, the question is, what is recorded? You know, I mean, I'll, recorded you Wendy, what's and, in ancient is what's yeah. in Egypt today. About only 26% of the tombs and temples have been uncovered. They still hmm. need the sand. But that which is, is is miraculous. Yeah. And they had the oldest recorded history. And the thing that they done, because you had hordes of people that was coming in trying to erase it, they started uh-huh. to carve it in stone. So when you have something written in stone and you try to knock it out, basically what you're doing is increasing the depth, depth of each character, whereas you can't you can't get rid of it. You had text. You had the pyramid text. I'm sorry, you had the coffin text, but mm-hmm. you had the pyramid text. And the, the coffin text was the text that was on the inside of the coffins, even the ceiling, which showed the goddess uh, Nut um, uh, was the sky goddess. And uh, you can see images of the sun going through her mouth, passing through her body, and coming mm-hmm. out of her vagina. That's the son, S-U-N son, being reborn. It wasn't the S-O-N son. It was uh, always the S-U-N son. Well, the sun's the source of all life. In the you know, morning, the sun, in the morning yeah. at 6 o'clock, the sun mm-hmm. is Kepra. At high noon, it's Ra. And at 6 o'clock, it's Amun. It's hidden. And that's the time when Amun goes into the underworld. And every morning when it rises again, it has defeated all of that in the underworld that it would try to defeat it. And you go down into the Turi forest in the morning when the sun rises, all the baboons face east and they put their hands up in what the Muslims call the salat position. That's their way of giving praise to the sun at sunrise. The baboons? Really? The baboons. I got to see this. 
Is there a video? This is fascinating. No, I'd love to see it. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, you see Muslims when they give that salat uh, gesture. It's just like the baboons do. Actually, the first the first teachers of humans were animals mm-hmm. in nature. They learned oh. from what animals did. They learned from what nature did. The well, first that's teachers. what martial arts comes from. And I imagine most agriculture, too, because if the animals could eat it, it was probably safe for us. Uh, I know soldiers did that in combat. So if the monkeys ate it, it's probably not going to kill us. You know, and for the most part, they're yeah. right. So it's, it's very interesting. You know, the, so, uh, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to disagree with you on Israel, but uh, it, it sounds like you're saying, let me just, just to clarify here, that the, 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 the Jewish white folks, and it's very interesting you divide up by, by color, um, that uh, that's not their home. So, so the Russian Jews, the, the, you know, the Eastern European Jews, the, the Western European Jews, the, the American Jews that are in Israel, you're saying shouldn't be there. I just want to make sure I got, get it straight. No, you're home. right. They occupy those people's land, and eventually they gonna it's gonna come to a head. They are gonna lose. If it wasn't for the United States and the Western world providing mm-hmm. protection, it mm-hmm. wouldn't be there. Okay, which is the complete opposite of what Wendy will say, which is really interesting. So this is why I wanted to have you on, and I wanted to give you a, a chance to. And, and feel free. We got Thursdays. It's a great day for for ancient history, and we can talk about this because now I got to do some research and see how and this see all works. The base things there uh-huh. is all. We don't need all. So what no, do they need that protection from? And why do they mm-hmm. keep giving that type of money to that organization? And then, too, why come these people don't want uh, black Ethiopian women coming into the country? And when mm-hmm. they come, they forcefully sterilize them, demand they get on birth control, and they recircumcise the men. And like I showed you a picture. <laughs> well, however you do it. They do it a second time? It has to be painful. That's- Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for grum. This is what I've always been against that. You got black Americans. Uh huh. You got black Americans that that have formed a settlement in Demona, Israel. Mm-hmm. It's completely right. self-sufficient, mm-hmm. and they want them to leave. They call the blacks cushy. They spit on them, and what they wanted the the, the up the airlift. They wanted to bring Ethiopians to be servants. Because the white women that go there from America, they ain't going there to be no servant or taking care of their own stuff. They want servants. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I don't believe in servants. <laughs> if you want to hire somebody, that's different. But I don't believe in servants. You know, that, that's just not how life works. Um, so this is interesting. All right. So I don't know. I still feel that uh, a Jewish homeland makes sense. In Israel, it makes well, sense that that's the place you, it should be. because, Greg, you yeah. are. Oh, I guess that explains it. <laughs> All right. Well, and, and it's, it, well, yeah. Like, well, no, I don't. I'm just, uh, I have to think about this too. I don't think so. No, that's. I mean, see, I there's nothing wrong with it, but that's yeah, see, no, blood but is sticking in water. Yeah, but see, I, I don't. I don't think of Jews as white. I mean, I guess a lot of Jews are white, but it, it, I mean, anybody. I mean, Sammy Davis Jr. is Jewish. I mean, they're they're black Jews, they're Arabic Jews, they're so all kinds Sammy of Jews, Jews around the world. Religious. He took on yeah. religion, but we talking about. When you're talking about indigenous indigenization, they uh-huh. don't they're not there. They so if white people weren't there. Were, okay. Were All right. Well, Jesus they wasn't white, taken. as far as I know. Jesus was was an Arabic Jew, you know, and, uh, and well, spoke the Aramaic. There's no there's no historical proof of no Abraham, and no historical proof of a Jesus of the New Testament. The name is a common name, just like Caesar. Caesar is like a Jesus. Title. It's a common name. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
Not like but Muhammad, everybody wrong. names the kids. Well, wait a minute. Let me finish uh-huh. like this. There's nothing oh, yeah. wrong with people believing it. Let mm-hmm. people have their belief. If you mm-hmm. got a belief that produce uh, you treating man like you want man to treat you and having morals and, you know, like I donate to people whose phones is off, they don't even know. that There's things, those are humankind being humankind to other humans. Nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. But remember... You always have somebody that come along on the side and would take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And then they yeah. would use it and exploit it for their own self-good. That's what you see. The yeah. money that goes over there, and we know what happens to it. Yeah. Now, I know the answer to my next question, but I just want to get it for the record here, that uh, when you talk about um, about uh, white European Jews leaving Israel, you're not talking about uh, any kind of a Holocaust situation or a military situation or anything like that. You, you're just talking about this naturally occurring, um, that uh, it's going to happen just because, you know, there aren't as many well, white yeah, Jews reproducing. They're just going to die out. Okay. Yeah, all right. I want, I want that on record. In case somebody says, you know, die out, right? But what I would, I don't want someone to think is like, well, Yankee believes in the Holocaust. He, he wants he wants Jews to be killed and kicked out of Israel. And you I got sure areas everybody... here in the United States in Dotan, mm-hmm. uh, Dotan, uh, Dotan, Alabama, where you have a, a wealthy Jew that's uh, encouraging Jewish couples to move there to form a Jewish community, give them fifty thousand dollars. Has there ever been a Jewish uh, state or homeland anywhere but Israel? Jews, those there, uh, their background stories is Khazar, as many people say. The 13th tribe, many stories about that. Hmm. Uh, those, those, those settlements or nations is found in the astrological signs, Ashar and Judah, and so on, so on, so on. And you know, your your uh, your zodiac sign is not what it originally was. Yeah, it changed. Well, that's interesting too. So, what was what was the original Libra? Seeing what the Egyptian has and changed it and made it for themselves. <laughs> so, what, what was it originally? Did. Then they what imposed it, it on the rest of the world. Now, what, what was it originally? Huh? What was it originally? I don't know what your what's your sign. Libra. Libra, the scales. Her, 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 and Kut. I think it is the two scales. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting too. Even our calendar changed. You know, we can talk about how Rome. Uh, we're in overtime now, but in in Rome, you know, Augustus Caesar created August because he got jealous of, of Julius Caesar, who created July. I mean, the calendar used to be ten months. It actually makes more sense. Well, yeah, and also the oldest calendars had ten days. You can see the Egyptian calendar in ten days. So God couldn't have took six days and the rest of the seventh day. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't think of God days as 24-hour days. I don't see the Bible literally. I mean, I really don't. You know, to, to me, a God day could be, you know, 100 million years. I don't know. You know, God's time and, and human time is different. You look at the time, what, what's a day on Mercury versus a day on Jupiter? They're completely different time periods. So you can't say a day. Well, that's why I come. That's mm-hmm. why I come. It's not a history book. No, see, I believe it really is. Well, yeah, and this is this is where I don't know enough. I mean, like I say, uh, and this is this is why I, I do question everything, and uh, you know, I question Wendy and I question you, and I'm thinking, okay, well, what what makes sense to me? You know, the universe is not an accident. Uh, there, there's no chance that all this could have happened by chance. This is too complex. So that makes sense to me. And I, it's the logic and reason filter. The you know, in these days, given the world as it is today, having a small Jewish homeland. 
uh, in Israel make sense. Yeah, why would you go from the United States where you got a home and go there and call yourself uh, Americans and you got a dual passport, which includes an Israeli passport too? And why come you as white can get a passport, but blacks can't? Yeah, see, that's wrong. You know, but in the same way, it's interesting though, but in the same way, the United States does not recognize my Canadian citizenship, even though I was born in Canada. Canada recognizes both. By their laws, I can get a Canadian passport anytime I want. The United States doesn't recognize it because you're supposed to renounce everything from every other country to become American. So I can operate. Well, yeah. Yeah. To receive American uh, grants, you have Mm -hmm. to buy on to their non-discrimination policy. School district can't get money. They have to buy on to the non-discrimination policy, which have evolved into uh, your bathroom incidents and discussions mm-hmm. that's going on, but mm-hmm. Israel can get money and they discriminate. Well, I, I'm, I'm curious how Jews do in Egypt too. <laughs> you know, it, it's an interesting situation. Well, anyway, you know, and like I say, a lot of the, the American Jews I disagree with because they're too liberal. So this will Here, go on. It, it, Israel, Israel gets money and it mm-hmm. outwardly discriminates against blacks. Yeah, you know, we, we, protect, we, we, we protect Japan, and they discriminate against everybody who's not Japanese. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting world out there. It's complex. Hey, listen, thank you very much for this. I appreciate it. It was a, it was a great chat, a whole lot of, of incredible information. And uh, let's, pick, let's do it next week. Let's pick an hour next week because uh, right, CJ well, is off this week. see what next week has the, the bring. And the emphasis may be more on the speaker and people packing up and leaving. <laughs> I mean, well, let, let's let's see what the media says. Well, let's see what happens. It's gonna be interesting. Anyway, thank you, sir. I really appreciate yeah. it. Let me just play right, our music you. selection. Or right, you take care. Um, and so, what we're gonna do? I'm still gonna try and encourage Pianki to do a, a, a ancient history hour. I think it'd be fascinating. All right, we only I've played everything I need to play. I actually got it done during the show, which is kind of cool. So let me play our Thursday classical music theme, and I'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow's Friday already. I can't believe it. Um, so we'll be back at 7 a.m. Central Time. Derek's off. He's he's traveling. Um, so I'll have that half hour free. Uh, but we've got Tara D with the, the, uh, the animal shelter report, Santa Rosa County Animal Shelter. We, we usually have Derek. We've got our two gun reporters. Maybe I'll get them in early. Uh, maybe you'll see if Candy can join us a bit early and John can hang out for a bit. And the third hour, I don't have anything scheduled. Let me check. Do I have anything scheduled? I don't think so. Nope. No, I'll figure something for that, too. <laughs> I've got a lot of news that I have, uh, that my, my like news summary for the week. Uh, usually Pianchi joins me for that. So that's pretty cool. All right. Thank you for listening. Uh, again, we'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time, where we will uh, do it all again. Thank you.